people like me. I'm thinking maybe you're a Jersey girl with all those highlights in your hair. No other girl can move like you. We pump our fist and ride it through. And I don't care what they might say. They'll never get us anyway. So be my Jersey girl. What a fuck starts a conversation like that? I just sat down. Good day, good day. It is Friday. This is Shelly, your mouthy mama, talking trash and truths. This is Coffee and Chaos with T3. That's me. Um, good morning, beautifully inappropriate. You're up bright and early and jumping into chat. Um, it's 8.32. I'm getting off to a little bit of a late start today because, and this is why I just love children, my son came out about 15 minutes before the show was supposed to start, so quarter to eight. And he hands me my bottle of Xanax, which I had him hide so that I don't just reach for it blindly because I'll take it all the time just not to be anxious. And he was like, he hands it to me. And I was like, why, why are you giving this to me? He goes, can you take one? I was like, ah, oh, shit. I was like, why? <laughs> and he said, I got to tell you something. And I'd rather you take one. I was like, let's just put these on the side. And he proceeded to tell me how he has, like, a toe issue that he's had for, like, a month. But he's been afraid to say it because he knew that if I touched it, it would hurt. And I was like, so you let it get worse. And he was like, well, now it's spread to, like, two toes. I was like, oh, Jesus. And he's like, oh, I was really scared. And I was like, okay, all right. So, so he got all upset. I got all upset. I had to take time to calm him down. And then once he was calmed down, I was like, give me that goddamn Xanax. So I don't really know when it's going to kick in because it hasn't yet. It, I think it's starting to because I don't want to jump out the window quite as much. Um, but, you know, it's it just got to love these kids. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to start the show a little later. They'll get it. A lot of them have kids. He has every moment of every day to tell me anything and he chooses right before i go live to tell me i was like thanks thanks connor i i appreciate that really do so ladies and gentlemen the joys of parenting ah today is december 8th yesterday was pearl harbor day it was the attack on pearl harbor the anniversary of it it was also um my best friend from college christine's birthday She's quite old. She's 50. 50. I didn't make a big deal out of her birthday this time. I just sent her a nice little meme with B. Arthur. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that you could feel the love coming from me, you know, Hoboken style. Uh, so it's been a wacky couple of weeks. I just wanted to have a nice chill stream and just go over some stuff that happened this week. It's been a very active week and touch on some stuff coming up this weekend. So one of the things that I wanted to show you guys is now you all know, like winning reality and I are like two peas in a pod. So he went and he made me this cute little avatar. Isn't it cute? It's so colorful. I think it's really, really pretty. So he surprised me with that. And he was like, ah, I was just fooling around. I was like, all right. And I just made it. And he like to tries to minimize everything, but it was like it was so sweet. So I'm gonna leave that up today because I really like it. You know, he made the intro, that Jersey Girl intro. And eventually I'll get an outro. See, I like busting his balls about it because he takes his time. It's always amazing, but he takes his time. He actually, when I had the other morning show, um, he and I weren't even friends at the time. And he made me um, an Archie Bunker All in the Family intro um, to do with somebody else. But it, it neither here nor there that I, I can't even stand to look at it anymore. But um, it really it meant so much to me. He's very good at, at finding the things that that mean stuff to me and putting them out there. And he put a lot of work into that, a lot of thought into it for me. And it was just perfect. It was really touching. Lady Autumn Sky, Grand Rising, lovely lady. How are you? So, yeah, so he did the intro. He'll do an outro. It'll be amazing, as always. Um, and he did this little avatar for me. And I just thought it was so cute. So I wanted to share that with you. Um, I want to put out there that there's a lot of people out there in need right now. It's, you know, holiday time, families are getting together, families are coming over, anxiety is rising. So if you could just be a little kinder to people when you meet them and because people are going through a lot and they hide it. My son reminded me that when he came out and said that, you know, he had issues with his toes. And I was like, why didn't I know this? And he was like, well, I, I put bandages on it and socks. I never take my socks off in front of you. I was like, that would be why. And it reminded me, people hide things for all sorts of reasons. Some of the reasons are valid. Some are just so stupid. Um, but they do. So you never know what you're going to um, come up against when you're talking to somebody. So do, do me a favor. Try to approach people with kindness because they really do need it. I know I can be very abrasive, but... Anybody who needs me, they know how to find me. And they know that I will never turn them away. I will always sit and talk and do what I can, even if it's just to listen, just so they could vent. I don't care. Um, I just, I really wish more people out there would approach everybody with kindness. Because it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a lot of energy to be kind to people. And you get so much in return. You know, they get to go off on their business and do whatever, and they're not negatively affected by you. And maybe you even made them smile for the first time that day or the only time that day or week or month. You don't know. So do me a favor. Just approach people with kindness. And if anybody has seen Daisy Girl, tell her that I haven't seen her in a week 
And I am very upset and I hope she's okay because I worry about her. That girl, I, you know, Daisy girl is wild. I love Daisy girl. She just, she makes me laugh, but I haven't seen her in like a week and I worry. So if anybody runs across her in a chat, you tell her the T3 is looking for her in a good way. Don't, don't scare her because I don't want her to be like, oh no, the feds. No. You know, she already jokes that she's on lists and everything else. Like, Girl, we're all on lists. It's all right. The government can suck it. Um, so yeah, I wanted to talk about like what's going on, what happened this week. And I wanted to lead off with the Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones interview, which if you haven't seen it, was it was really entertaining. I actually caught it um, on Benny Johnson. He he did a summary of it. And so I got like the highlights and it was funny and it was very eye opening. You know, Alex Jones did predict many of the things that have occurred. Um, he's a little out there for me sometimes, but. I like him in small doses. He definitely amuses me. I think he's got a lot to say. I think he's valid on a lot of things. Um, beautifully inappropriate said, love Benny. Yeah, Benny Johnson is that's my boy Benny. You know, so he's great. I love watching Benny. Um, this week he had a lot, a lot of news that he put out that just amused the shit out of him, especially Alex Jones and especially the RNC debate. But we'll get to that. So he talked about Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson, and they showed clips. And Alex Jones brought whiskey um, to show Tucker and to, you know, sell his brand of whiskey. And it was in, a like, this shipping container, this, like, it almost looked like a gun case. And he couldn't get it open. He, had, he used a hatchet on air to, get, to open it. I was like, yep. That's typical of him. And it was just, it was very entertaining. And they talked about all the different things that he's gotten blamed for that he had nothing to do with. Um, yeah, his Twitter X is lit. Yeah, absolutely. They all are. Um, Tucker, I love watching Tucker on X, but that I really, they really should not have gone with that with that name because it just it comes out like everybody's on drugs like oh yeah mdma for everybody that's a joke youtube just so you know uh you got to be careful with these people but yeah no alex jones was going you know he's talking about all the things that he's gotten blamed for the people come up to him and they're like why why'd you you know unalive those kids and blah, blah, blah. he didn't do anything of the sort he talks about news he talks about you know the new world order he talks about you know, all, all the corruption and the ridiculousness that's going on in the world. And he calls people out and they don't like it because they're like, how did he find out? How does he know what we're doing? And they're like, no, 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 it's lies. Then it happens. And he's like, aha. And they're just like, shit, you know, and then they go after him because, you know, you want to silence the source of the truth, right? If you're a corrupt politician or whatever's out there that's corrupt, you want to go after them. You don't want anybody catching on. Um, one of the places where we do a lot of catching on, like Alex Jones does, is, and I'm going to shamelessly plug his shows, Winning Reality's Wednesday night show, Unveiling Reality. And we talk a lot about um, all the things going on in the world, and he'll he'll pick a topic every week to point out, like, 
where corruption is, where they're lying to you, um, what the truth is. And chat is very involved. If if you've ever been to one of his shows, he's very big on chat interaction. And it's really, it's an, an amazing show. I really recommend it. It's every Wednesday night on YouTube and on Rumble. And he talks about all the things that nobody wants to talk about. And about how they've been lying to us and, you know, initiating different forms of mind control to get what they want. And he's more about a solution culture. So we don't just talk about the problems. We talk about the steps we can take to to rectify that and what we could do individually and, you know, as a group and across the globe. Little things. They're They're not huge monumental things. They're little changes and everything that you can implement to really change your life and the life of everybody, you know, around you. So I definitely recommend that. Um, I think he's very much inspired by people like Alex Jones who are just like, no, I'm not going to stay shut. I'm, I'm going to open my mouth. You don't have to like me. And a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people don't because they don't like what he has to say because he knows what he's talking about. You know, they're like, oh, he's so he he's too confident. He's too cocky or whatever. Yeah, well, you tend to be that way when you're informed. You know, he does his research. He does his work. Nobody quite does research like him, except maybe the marvelous Max Mira. But, you know, it is what it is. I enjoy the program. I hope you do, too. Um, Alex was going on with Tucker and they were it's funny because they were talking about all the different things that are out there and. You know, Alex doesn't, he doesn't keep all the accolades for himself. He shares it. And he said, there's people out there, thank God, like me, who want the truth to get out there. There's Russell Brand. There, right here, there's Tucker Carlson. He was like, you got me on InfoWars. You got Joe Rogan. You know, you got Benny Johnson. All these people who are out there trying to get the real stories that count. And the correct information out there. And they're labeled as be, you know, having disinformation, misinformation. Um, they're given all these horrible labels. And it's it's just not true. It's the people who are in charge who keep trying to silence them. And I mean, that's what they're doing to all of us. They're trying to silence us all. Um, I actually I'm I'm running the damn youtube studio right now to make sure that youtube doesn't take down the stream because i even mentioned their name because it could happen you never know um but they're out there and there's they're they're bullhorning the truth to everybody and i love it this, this is what i live for because i don't want to be lied to i don't get up here and lie to any of you i tell you the truth whether it's good bad or ugly and I feel better for it. You know, living honestly, it it gives you a peace of mind you don't get when you have to remember lies. And that that's how all these people get caught because they say one thing and it's on video and then they go, no, I never said that. We're like, wait, no, it's right here. Like, you said it. I can hear you. Look at your lips move. Like, it's ridiculous. And this was not showcased better anywhere than at the RNC fourth debate that they had, the Republican debate. We watched that on Winning's channel on Wednesday. 
and he gave commentary on it. We were commenting, you know, from the chat. And God, if you read the chat on YouTube, understand that I just have a deep hatred for Chris Christie because he was the governor of my state. I'm in New Jersey, obviously, Jersey girl. And he just sucked. He sucked. He's a horrible man. I can't stand him. Uh, there's nothing good I can say about him. And he was like, oh, you all with your scandals. I'm sorry, fat boy. How about you got Bridgegate? You got Beachgate? You got the pension gate? I mean, you literally robbed your constituents in your state blind. It was ridiculous. And he has the nerve to stand up there and be like, I'm your guy. No, you're not. You can't even stand up straight. You leaned on the podium the entire debate because your freaking ass is, you just don't have the energy to stand up. If you don't have the energy to stand up on that stage for two hours, why would I think you have the energy or the fortitude to stand up for our country for four years? Here's a Jessica Reloaded um paraphrase is no this is an exact quote go fuck yourself how about that how about that go fuck yourself um so the rnc debate it was great you know you had the warhawk standing up there looking ridiculous because she's like yeah no you're picking on me because i'm the girl and you had christy defending her like oh how dare you pick on this woman blah 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 like, all right, that's probably the closest you've been to a woman who wasn't serving you something. Um, beautifully say, he's winded if he straightens up. I think the floor would cave in. I just, ugh. When they had the little technical difficulty in the middle of the debate, I was like, ah, he stepped on a cable. I was like, he blew the whole debate. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean when it comes to him. But, I mean, to be fair, he was my governor. I earned the right to hate him. Yeah, he earned the right for me to hate him. Um, so that whole debate was like, that was awesome. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy was up there just, oh, he was beautiful. I was like, now, see, I feel like a Jersey kind of kinship with him, even though he's not like from here, because he was just bam, 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 one after another. He did not hold back at all. He even held up a thing that was, I think it said Nikki equals corrupt. And it was just like, oh, my goodness, because you know, they just he didn't hold back at all. He was like, you did this and you did this and you did. This. And they're like, no, 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 no. He was like, it's on tape. I have the video. We all have the video. The Internet has the video. You can't lie your way out of it. Like, stop. Stop being fake. That's the whole thing. I know politicians are often, you know, fake and whatever. I really wish there were some out there I could believe in. There's not a whole lot. I mean, I was never a huge Trump fan. Yes, I voted for him. Whatever. Be quiet. But I I like the fact that he got up there and just Trump always used to say what he what he thought. There was very little deception, I felt, where, that could go on when the man's stream of consciousness was literally jettisoning out of his mouth 24-7. I got tired of hearing him after a while because it was just like, oh, God, I can't do it. But I knew that if I listened to him, he was going to, yeah, he's going to be hyperbolic and he loves his adjectives and he's very dramatic. But he's also, you know, a little he's entertaining, which you don't always see in a politician, but he's relatable. 
you know, you get him. And now that they're like really coming down on him, you see America's politics in action. You see how they love to just dogpile on somebody, whether they're in the right or in the wrong, and they bully them. That's what these, like, the Dems are out there doing right now. That's all the liberals and everything are out there doing. They're just bullying people. And I'm pretty sure these are like the zero tolerance anti-bullying people, but they're the ones who are actually doing it. So I kind of wish they'd have to, you know, take a dose of their own medicine. Like you're out here spewing all this stuff and pushing people around. And I, I kind of wish that they'd have to feel the effects of it. I wish somebody would turn the tables on them. And in my estimation, Trump is the only one who really does that. But that night, Vivek did a really good job. And DeSantis was right behind him. You know, they seem to have made a really good team that night. I don't know that they did it consciously or like just it just happened that way. But it was really it was fun to watch because he was like, you know, well, this guy, one bad thing about him. But, you know, I do have to say that you did this. this, this, this. And he's like, well, you know what? Thank you. And they're like back and forth. And it was just it was a political circle jerk a little bit. But I mean, that's what you expect when you see one of these debates. I was just happy nobody's up there you know, crying hysterically and speaking super fast about, I can't debate because there's a white person on this panel. You know, you can't, you can't really call Chrissy a white person because I don't really call him a person. So, uh, Beautifully Inappropriate said, he's not paying for her service. He's not paying her for services. He's hoping for a pity suck. He's hoping for a pity pizza. Who are you kidding? You couldn't find that thing with a crane and a microscope. Stop. Like, uh-uh. The heat under that belly, that melted away. It's gone. He's like a freaking overweight Ken doll at this point. Um, and that's not fat shaming other people. Just him. Just him. I don't care if you're fat. I don't, I don't care if you're skinny. I don't care. But I hate him, and it's something to pick on, and... I mean, I could pick on his intelligence. He's dumb as a you know post. I could pick on his looks. He just he looks like something that got stuck in the freezer. You took it out and it just kind of melted and it just got deformed, like silly putty left out in the sun. Like I just don't like him. I just don't like him. Um, beautifully said, she looks like a snack to Crisco. Yeah, mm-hmm. just another chicken wing, but. No, it was a really good debate. We had a really fun time that night. So, I mean, check that out if you can. Give it a rewatch and give it a like. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I wanted, I I forgot somebody when I was mentioning people who are out there like talking truth and whatever. I don't want to leave out our very own Viva and Barnes. Uh, if you've never checked out Viva Fry or Robert Barnes, they are lawyers that circulate through, you know, our our little law tube community they're on rumble and locals and the whole nine yards and they're just fantastic barnes with his cigars and his bourbon and viva fry with his just enthusiasm crazy hair and desire to find out what the hell is going on he loves to get to the bottom of things and he's not afraid to take on you know controversial topics I appreciate that and I respect it. It it really means a lot to me that he's willing to go out there and do that. Uh, so, all right. So that's that covered. That's the RNC covered. Also wanted to um, 
say that I saw this morning that and it made me laugh. Putin is going to run for re-election in March. And if he wins, if he wins, he will be in power till 2030. Funny, that number. That is a very significant year. A lot of things going out supposedly in 2030. We will talk about that on Unveiling Reality next Wednesday, the 2030 agenda. Um, we've talked about it before. We'll touch on it then. I don't remember. I think we're doing the 2023 agenda and the 2030 agenda. I'm sure he's going to mention both of them, but they'll definitely be topics. Um, yeah, 2030 seems to be like the year. So he's going to possibly be in power until then it's funny because i think like two weeks ago they were like oh putin you know putin passed away or whatever putin's super sick and you know he's been like in locked in a room for like the last two years you haven't really like so we haven't seen him that's his clone they just lie they lie and lie and lie but my question is putin is running against who who's he running against because I can't imagine anybody going up against them and like making it to the, you know, quote unquote free election. You know, I just, I can't. Why, why spin it like, oh yeah, he, he's running and he might be, no, he's there, he's Russia and that's it. Like, let, let's not, you know, mince words. The man is in charge of Russia. He will stay in charge of Russia and he will do whatever the fuck he wants. The only counter we have for that, I feel, is Trump. Trump and him had a great relationship. He respected Trump. He knew Trump was a wild card. He knew that Trump was like, oh, you say this? Well, yeah, no, go fuck yourself. Like, you know, like this is what's going to happen. He had no problem going the other way. And I think that's what somebody like Putin, one, respects, and two, identifies as somebody he has to treat seriously. Um, beautifully said he's a walking heart attack for Chris Christie oh yeah yeah I even said I said oh god I said I could just picture him having a coronary up there I don't know if I was picturing it or wishing it but you know I don't like to wish ill on people it comes back at you but I mean he's just a walking massive coronary I, I'm pretty sure that there had to be an EMT team off to the side just ready with the paddles just in case he went down uh, she said if Trump had quote unquote won, Putin was going to step down. Yeah, now Putin's never going to step down. He, he'll step down when he's stepping into the grave. And I think even one foot in the grave, he'll still have one foot in Russia. Like, hey, no, I can still do it. I can still push buttons because he's got all those people doing work for him. He's just, you know, he's the taskmaster. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was Norman Lear. Norman Lear, famous um, producer, passed away this week at 101 years old. And I, I looked up some articles on, you know, his death or whatever. And I was like, gee, you know, because I'm an idiot sometimes. I was like, why don't they say what he died of? Michelle, he was 101. Who cares what he died of? He died of old age. Like, I mean, he's 101. And it made me think of that Larry the Cable guy joke when he's like yeah my grandma passed away at 101 they're like yeah what'd she die of he's like she's 101 you know like 
And the joke was, oh, she, you know, she was ATV and flipped it. It landed on her. Like, stop. You're 101. You died of old age. You know, he had a great life. And I just wanted to talk about some of the things that he's done. Now, I don't know. A lot of people are like, who the hell is Norman Lear? So Norman Lear was the producer, director, and like force behind shows like All in the Family. The Jeffersons, Maud, Sanford and Son, Different Strokes, and The Facts of Life. Uh, he and he he was in charge of some of the like he was um, a writer on some big movies that you might have seen, like Stand by Me. Um, there's one that oh, it's a very little known movie called The Princess Bride. He was actually involved in that. Um, so yeah, he's. He's got a lot out there and he's really contributed to an entire culture. I mean, he was there in the 70s. He was a starting point when All in the Family came out. I wasn't even born yet when All in the Family came out. Um, when I was when I started watching it, they were reruns at that point. Um, well, yeah, no, they were reruns, but. There was a whole dynamic that I, well, I loved about All in the Family. Like I said, winning, that's what made me think of winning doing that intro for me uh, as a gift. And he didn't even know me at the time. I don't have one bad memory about that show. We played, that show was on every night, right after the news, during dinner. It was, we used to sit down as a family, me, my grandmother, my grandfather. Sometimes my uncle, sometimes my mother and father, you know, like, you know, my mother and daddy. Uh, but we all we we congregated around the kitchen table. We sat down, we ate together. We talked. But then when Archie Bunker was on, you know, we all focused in one direction and we laughed together because some of the things he did would people now like would would the snowflakes fall over? Yes, they absolutely would. Like I showed my son all in the family. We did like this film class, he and I. And one of the things, the first thing I introduced him to was all in the family. And we watched the very first episode and he was appalled. <laughs> he was like, how did they get away with putting this on TV? It's so like offensive. I said, you need to toughen up. I was like, because words don't, do anything when they're used like this as like you got to understand the difference between somebody who is being offensive and aggressive and hateful and someone who is um just trying to show you how the world is and that's how the world was it was a very unvarnished look inside the homes of middle america you know, the, that's how it was. There Did racial biases exist? Yes, but it was moving forward. And you saw the shift. You saw how Archie would like, you know, he would continue to like be himself or whatever. And something would happen. He'd have an interaction. And you'd see the realization when his eyebrows went up like, oh, shit. Like, and he had a hard time accepting things. But eventually he did. And he was just like, oh, yeah, fine, whatever. Like he begrudgingly progressed in his thinking but most of the time like he wasn't wrong at the time in today's context it would seem like absolutely abominable 
it would seem like absolutely horrible for him to do that. Hey, Castro, what's up? Um, it would seem unthinkable for him to talk the way he did and act the way he did. But the more I watched it, the more I was like, oh, man, like this was so predictive because you have like his son-in-law who's the like hippy dippy liberal. And he calls him meathead. Now, the guy's name was Mike Stivick. And, you know, he was like, you dumb Polak, you. Yeah, it was like, he just, he was, he was, he was abrasive. I guess I get it because he reminds me so much of me. Um, not that I'm racist or anything like that. I mean, I, I can throw out this, you know, the joke or whatever, but if people get offended, fuck them. Um, you know, that's what I always say. Fuck them if they can't take a joke. But he was unfiltered. You know, you didn't wonder where you were with Archie. You know, did he speak gently to his wife? No. He he called a dingbat. Okay. He'd tell her stifle it when he wanted her to be quiet. You know, and you'd sit there and you just you realize you're like, oh my God, like he shouldn't say that. And then somebody come in and talk and you'd be like, shh. Like, could you shut up? And then you're like, oh, no, I didn't do any different. I just used different words. And you saw how it reflected your own home. And it did. It, it reflected my home a lot. I mean, I grew up in a Depression era, you know, family that my grandparents were, they lived through the Great Depression. That never left them. I say they grew up in the Great Depression. They never left it. That mindset went through their entire lives with them. You know, whatever money you have, save most of your money, buy a lot of food, store a lot of food, cook for an army, you know, welcome people into your house. Like they were always thinking of, you know, dire straits. You know, my grandmother, her and I watched Dirty Dancing when it first went on HBO. And I'm talking like, oh God, so long ago. Um, remotes weren't like handheld. It was a box with a wire in the back. <laughs> it was like you just press the button, you turn the dial. Uh, and we watched Dirty Dancing, and Patrick Swayze's character, Johnny, was up there and he said, you know, um, women sometimes, like one month, I, I'm eating jujubes to stay alive. And the next month, women are stuffing diamonds in my pockets. And he said, I'm balancing on shit. And as quick as that, I could be down there again. And I didn't think nothing of it. As, as soon as he said it, she said, mm-hmm. She said, that's the truest thing I ever heard. And you should remember that. And I always have. Because circumstances change really, really quickly. Yeah, and usually not for the better. So they they grew up, you know, always expecting the bottom to fall out. And they were prepared for it because they didn't want us to be homeless. They didn't want us to be unprepared or hungry or, you know, without any kind of clothes or whatever. They wanted us to be provided for. And that's how they raised us. And I tend to be a lot like that. I'm more wasteful than they were because, you know, I'm two generations away. But a lot of their their values carried over onto me. And I've tried to instill them in my children. I don't think my kids really understand them because they don't understand struggle. Like they think me not being able to buy them like a new TV today is a struggle. No, like they get what they want whenever they want it. 
I didn't grow up like that. I grew up your birthday and Christmas. Those are the only two times you got shit. Unless you were graduating or, you know, there was like some major thing that you did. There was no, we didn't celebrate everything. It was like, yeah, you did it. All right. That's like, go, go sit down, go do something. You did that. Now get better, do something better. You know, it was always, you know, step it up, step it up, step it up, step it up. Granted, I grew up thinking nothing was ever good enough, but I also grew up knowing I had to up my game all the time. I constantly had to up my game, you know, and that worked for me. It really did. It pushed me to be better in everything I did. And there's a real lack of that in the world today. Um, I see these kids and they're perfectly happy to do nothing. Perfectly happy to be average, even below average. They'll come up with all these different excuses. I have this, I have that. I, I can't concentrate. Listen, if I could do homework in the middle of a gas station with people running around while taking care of customers, while running out to pump gas, I don't want to hear that you can't write a paragraph freaking essay. I don't want to hear it. I don't. It's ridiculous. And it seems like that that's okay for them. And it, it terrifies me because they're, they're capable of so much more than that. And I hate to say that we tend to believe in these kids more than they believe in themselves. And that's a scary thing. Because, I mean, I'm not a helicopter parent, but I've been like, oh, you never have to move out. You could live with me forever because I'm afraid of what the world will do to them. You know, they're not tough like I am. They're not. They're not fighters. They're. They're mushy. You know, they're. They're spoiled. They're very comfortable. They don't know what it is to be uncomfortable. They'll tell you they feel uncomfortable. Oh, your words made me uncomfortable. I don't give a shit. Oh, you're you're offended, but did you die? No. You know, like, and I would tell I would say that to kids in, you know, like in school, they'd be screaming hysterical. Oh, I hurt my feelings. And I mean, I got in trouble for it so many times, but I was like, oh, did you die? No, then it's not so bad. You're good. You're going to live. Oh, I think we're going to make it. She's going to make it. And the kid would just look at me like, how dare you? And walk off irritated at me. But now they're no longer offended by what they were offended by before. Their feelings aren't hurt. They're just like, oh, this bitch. Like, and they just walk away. So effective. But um, yeah, Archie Bunker was really good at that. He was really good at saying, hey, y'all want to make a big deal out of this? I'm going to say it. And are any of you going to drop dead on the other side of the screen? No. Are you going to be offended? Sure. Are you going to be changed because you're offended? Does it affect the world because you're offended? No. You're offended because that's your opinion. That's your feeling. That's your Fifi. Take your Fifi and go. And I love that about that show. Um, and Meathead really was a meathead. Like we call them snowflakes, but he called them a meathead. So, I mean, I get it. I feel even this day, I feel that relatability. Uh, one of his other shows was, uh, let, I'm trying to look through. He had Sanford and Son, which they're like, oh, you know, you never see any TV shows back then or whatever with, you know, like any kind of 
ethnic um, people that are, you know, succeeding. Sanford and Son, they owned their own junkyard. They didn't just run it. They owned it. It was their business. You know, they they did it together. There was a sense of family. You got to see them go through struggles. You got to see them go through cultural, you know, like upheavals. You got to see them go through all these things. And they were funny. They were funny. Was the father manipulative? Of course. Every time the son said something, he didn't like it. It's like, oh, oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. Elizabeth, I'm coming, Elizabeth. You know, because his wife had passed on. And you saw, like, he was a single dad, essentially. And you saw this, you know, kid growing up in a, you know, newly, like, hip, free kind of, like, culture. And it was nice to see. It was funny. And you got to see the generational differences, how they would butt heads. It was hilarious. And they're Black. It, there was no, like, I don't remember one white person being on that show. But... Red Fox, he was amazing. Are you kidding me? I mean, Red Fox hung out with Frank Sinatra. He really did. Like, they knew each other. He hung out with Milton Berle. He hung out with, like, Bob Hope. Like, Johnny Carson. They all knew him. You know, Dick... Um, not Dick Boyer. <laughs> um, Dean Martin. Like, Don Rickles. He knew them all. They respected him. They respected each other. It wasn't like today where everybody's freaking fighting. It wasn't a race thing. It was a, you're funny, I'm funny. Let's go be funny together. And that's what they did. And they were hilarious. Dean Martin's roast could never exist on regular TV now. I think they used to have it on like NBC or whatever. Uh, but it was just like a weekly thing and everybody watched. And the jokes were fantastic. But today, people would cry over them. They would absolutely go to pieces over them. And it just shows you that we we claim we've progressed and everything. We're all, we're more aware. You're not more aware. You're just softer. And you just have a bigger platform to have a bigger mouth to bitch and moan about things that really don't affect you after two minutes. You know, you turn off that TV and the show is over. You walk away. You don't think about it. At least that's how we were. Like, we didn't walk away going, oh, I just, I can't continue with my day. I can't go to work because R.G. Bunker called, you know, Edith, you know, a, a dingbat. And I just, I'm so offended for her. She's so abused. Stop. She worshipped that man. He was a good provider. She stayed home, you know. She got to have her kid. Her kid did whatever the hell she wanted. I think he was pretty, you know, like, forgiving, letting his kid live there with a, you know, son-in-law that he couldn't stand. He didn't say, oh, no, you know, screw you both. Get out. Go get a job. Go get, you know, an apartment, whatever. They had jobs, but they they stayed home because that's what we did. When we were starting out in life, you know, we stayed home. If we could buy a home on our own, it was because we saved on rent by living in the family home. It wasn't considered just our parents home. Yes, it was our parents house, but it was the family home. Everybody was welcome there. You know, if you needed to get on your feet, that's where you went. Now people are ashamed for doing that because they never leave their parents' home. They just want to live there and not have a job, not do anything, not save any money. And they're like, oh, you know, I can't, I hate living here. Then move out. Get out. Um, another show that he did was Maud. 
Maud was one of my favorite shows, as was Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Um, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, my mother said I used to walk around trying to talk like her at like, you know, four years old. And somebody would ask me a question and they'd be like, how, how are you, Shelly? I'd be like, oh, I'm all right. Like I would try to like, like mimic her very like, uh, like very like, very straight, very um, deadpan kind of. I don't, I don't know how you would say it. Like kind of, I don't know, like droopy dog kind of like personality. Because she was just very like, ah, oh, yeah, no, uh huh, yeah, all right. She actually played the mother, the girl who played her. I can't remember her name. She played the mother on this movie, Sing, about um, a bunch of, about a high school being shut down in New York. And it had like um, Lorraine Bronco and like all these different people. It was such a good movie. I love that movie. Um, but Maud was amazing because Maud was, it was B. Arthur before Golden Girls. It was B. Arthur being this, you know, tall, skinny, like liberal chick with a big mouth. And she was, you know, middle aged and she was married to this, you know, little little dude who was very diminutive. And everybody thought like she pushed her husband around because she was bossy and she was a big mouth. And she reminds me a lot of me. And I probably picked up a lot of her mannerisms by watching that. And she's very, I'm standing up for this and I'm fighting for that. And she'd call people out and she'd insult Archie to his face because she was Edith's cousin. And like, she would just always be like on you. She's just like, you know, just quip after quip after quip. And you just be like, damn, this woman is brutal. And you felt bad for her husband. And the funniest part for me was she'd be in the middle of arguing. And if her husband had something to say, he'd say, Maud, sit down and shut up. And she would automatically sit down and shut her mouth. And she'd go, why did I do that? I didn't want to do that. But she obeyed it. She didn't understand why. And I so get that. I so get that whole, I am woman, hear me roar. And okay. It's like, okay, I'm listening. I, I will, you know, I will comply. But it was funny to me because at the time I was like, why did she sit and my grandmother would laugh? She's going to figure it out one day. I'm like, but she's right. Like she's standing up for her friend and he told her, sit down. And she just sat like a dog. And she was like, mm -hmm. she obeyed. And I was like, oh, that'll never be me. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I liked how ballsy she was. I liked that, you know, did she come off mean a lot of the time? Yeah. But guess what? It was the same character that she played in Golden Girls. It was the constant, I'm going to call you on your shit every time. I like that. She was honest. You know, it was a bit more controversial with Maud. I wasn't allowed to watch some of the, you know, shows because they were on things that my family didn't want me to know about, like abortion. Because Maud actually went and she was going to have a change of life baby and it was too dangerous and she decided she didn't want to have a baby and she went and she got an abortion. It was too risky. There was, it was too risky to her and too risky to the kid. And I didn't see that show for probably 20 years after it came out. And it really upset me. It really, really did. 
and I, I empathize with her a lot because it's a very difficult decision to make in that type of scenario. Uh, but I did. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, cool gamer. What's up? Welcome. Welcome. Uh, Lady Awesome said, I grew up watching Sanford and Son, Good Times, I Love Lucy, and Chico and the Man. That's the other one I wanted to mention, but Norman Lear didn't do that one, I don't think. But Chico and the Man with Freddie Prinze, the father of Freddie Prinze Jr., was hilarious. You know, he he definitely was, like, big on the accent, and it was, it was just really, it was culture shock for me, because I didn't know any of these people existed. I grew up in an Italian house. I went from the Italian house to the Italian car to another Italian house to, you know, back to the Italian filled car, back to another Italian house. I never went out of that. The only other place I went was church full of Italians. So it was just, (laughs) that that was my world. That's all I knew. So when I started school, like the only reason I didn't freak out because we had like a black kid in it was because I had gotten used to Sanford and Son. I knew there were other people out there because I didn't see them in my life. And that's what Norman Lear did. He brought them into your living room. The Jeffersons was one of his shows. Good Times, one of his shows. He brought that whole culture in so that you weren't so ignorant about it. Did he make it funny? Did he make light of some of the problems? Yeah, because sometimes you have to. But he did reflect the attitude of the time. And if you watch those shows now, they're prophetic. And they apply just as much today as they did then. Some of the things change. Yeah, like the cost of things when they're like, oh, you know, can I have a dollar to go buy groceries? (laughs) What are you buying with a dollar? Like nothing nowadays. You're buying nothing with a dollar. I used to be able to go to the candy store with a dollar and get an entire mini paper bag like a lunch bag full of penny candy and that candy would last me for like a month and i thought what the hell i had on a dollar you can't do shit with a dollar now and even the dollar that's in your hand isn't worth the dollar you think it is so yeah those kinds of things have changed but the struggles they're no different you know, they were dealing with all the things that we're dealing with now. I, oh, God. I, I believe Archie Bunker even had a run-in with, like, a drag queen. And so, like, but, I mean, back then, that's what they, they were transvestites. They were drag queens. They didn't call them trans. Um, they weren't transgender. They were just men who liked to dress up like women and wear makeup. You know, and that was it. They didn't even have to be gay. Like most of them were straight or at least playing the straight card and, you know, playing a straight life. But there was so much. We're talking 30, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. At the, oh, my God. 50 years ago. Christ. And I keep thinking I'm in denial about my age. So it's like, <laughs> but you go back 50 years and nothing has really changed. And that makes me sad because in 50 years, we should have had so much more understanding and compassion toward one another. You know, we should be so much more accepting of people and willing to band together and stand up for what's right, like protecting the kids. 
you know, child trafficking shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't exist. You know, children getting their genders changed, that, that kind of a problem should not exist. People dying from, you know, taking a preventative jib-jab that we were forced to take, that shouldn't be happening. This reliance on pharmaceuticals rather than talking to somebody and dealing with your problems and suffering through the strife. That shouldn't be a problem. But these are the problems we have. If you think about it and you watch these shows, we were happier and we were more carefree and more loving to each other 50 years ago. And this generation that comes up, they're like, oh, you people don't know how to run the world. Like, you're so mean to one another. We weren't mean to one another. We were honest and we were humorous. We turned things that hurt into jokes. And it took the sting out of them. And it made it easier for you to deal with it because you didn't have anxiety. You didn't have all these like, oh, my God, everything is so oppressive. No, you laughed. Laughter is the best medicine in the world. And it can get you through so much. Like you could feel like you just can't take one more thing. If you can laugh about it, you're going to be okay. You know, last night I talked to Winnie. We had an issue that came up and we wound up laughing about it because that's how we deal. It does no good. It serves no purpose to sit there and dwell in it and wring your hands and cry and, oh, my God, and it's the end of the world. And now, well, let's just, just find the funny and let's just deal with the shit and move on. Like, because <laughs> I can't. And I mean, that's my saying. Mine is I can't. I just I can't even. I can't even. They know what that means. Like T-Rex and winning. They know what that means when I say that. Because they're just like, yeah, she's done. Like, like, <laughs> she's like, she has reached her threshold of bullshit for now. So <laughs> moving on. And, you know, they respect that. It's a good tell for me. Uh, Lady Awesome said, of course, I watched reruns. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Nickelodeon was great. Nick at Night. I love that all these shows were on there. All of them. You know, Comedy Central. It was just like, oh, you know, TBS. Regular stations wouldn't run them that often once we got into like the 90s. Because the 70s and the 80s, they were saturated in these shows. I mean, you could not turn on a TV without seeing something by Norman Lear. And it was great. It was funny. You know, and you didn't walk away going, no, I shouldn't have laughed at that. No, you walked away going, that shit was funny. And that was it. <coughs> I'm having breathing issues lately and I can't find my asthma spray. <laughs> uh, Lady Awesome said, I grew up watching those on reruns, not watching Andy Griffith reruns. I mean, I love the Andy Griffith reruns. It's just, you know, sometimes I wasn't in the mood for Aunt May or Aunt Meg, whatever the hell her name was. And, you know, really tiny, you know, Richie Cunningham. Because a lot of people don't know that, guys. Like, Happy Days, Richie Cunningham? 
was Opie on the Andy Griffith show. A lot of people don't know that. You know what also a lot of people don't know? His daughter is the redhead in Jurassic Park, the new series with Chris Pratt. Um, that whole series of films. That's his daughter. Um, Lady Awesome said, I'm clarifying because I don't want to age myself older than what I am. I'm proud of the years I've proudly earned my every year, but I don't want any more than I already have. <laughs> I feel you. I do. I do. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to be 50 in March. In four months, I'm going to be 50. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Fuck a duck. I'm like, yeah, but that's all right. I don't look 50. And I, I, I feel 50 like now, but hopefully I won't for too much longer. Um, but I'd rather feel 50 than not feel anything at all. This is who I am. If I never get better, then I never get better. If I get better, I get better. Either way, I'm going to stay me. It doesn't diminish my value at all. I am who I am. That's all that I am. Ah, oh, Papa the Sailor Man. Doot, doot. Um, beautifully said, you can get a bag of groceries with the money. Yeah, absolutely. Tra um, Jacob said, transvestites are straight men. Hold on, let me grab my dictionary. Oh, don't even start. Like, <laughs> I mean, you ask Eddie Izzard, he'd say transvestites are straight men. He's like, there's a difference between transvestites and um, drag queens or whatever. I forget. He was like, it's a little bit of a like crowbar separation. Um. So yeah. So Lady Awesome said, "Oh geez, I missed at Cool Gamer." Okay. Easier. Jacob Caster, trans is a whole new concept. Transgender is a whole new concept. Men dressing up as women is a very, very old tradition. I mean, look at the Hastings, Hastings pudding thing that they do. I think it's at, what, at Harvard? I think that's a Harvard thing. Uh, Milton Berle and Flip Wilson used to dress up as women all the time for their variety show, for Milton Berle's variety show. There are so many. I mean, Gene Hackman, war drag. In um, the Robin Williams, Nathan uh, Lane show, what was it? Birdcage, which was a movie based on La Caja Fall. Um, and it, it's a hilarious freaking movie. I don't get why everybody's like, oh, you, men dressing up as women. It's just, that's unnatural. No, that's funny. It's funny. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to be entertaining. It was never meant to be a lifestyle where you get to tell me that I'm not a woman and you call me a breeder. Let me tell you something. Somebody calls me a breeder. I'm going to have a problem with you. I have a real problem with you. You call me a sis and it doesn't stop. start with an S. We're going to have a problem. Um... Let's see. Lady Olsen said, I wasn't introduced to Andy Griffith's show until I moved to the South. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's like a that's a thing there. Um, I mean, that's like the Bible down there, isn't it? Jacob, Ca I guess I'll find out soon enough. <laughs> Jacob Castro, 50s is the new 30s. Nah, it ain't. 
<laughs> no, it ain't. When your body reaches 50 years old, you tell me if it's the new 30s. Uh, Gene Hackman. Yeah, I mean, he was an ugly female. He made an ugly female. <laughs> and that's what made it funny. Yeah, these were not guys who were trying to pass as women. These were, these were very obviously men in drag. Like, this is just what they did. That was the entertainment. It was funny. Nobody got offended. Nobody cared. It was an act. It was a bit. There's, like, no comedy that's safe in the world anymore. Matt Reif, he is hilarious. Is he highly offensive? If you want to be offended by him, then you'll find him highly offensive. You could be offended by anything that happens in this world. That's up to you, but, but you know, he's fucking funny. He's hot, too, but he's funny. And he just, like, he made a... All right, he made a joke, which <laughs> he said that they went to like this little diner in like this little town, and you know, like it's rough town, and like the the waitress walks in, she's got a black eye, and they're all like, "Oh man!" Like one of his friends was like, "Oh man, yeah, I feel bad for her. they couldn't they at least like put her in the kitchen, so nobody's got to like see all that. She don't got to deal with that." And he joked around, he goes, I feel like, you know, she could cook. She wouldn't have that black eye. And, you know, it's funny. It is. It's freaking hilarious. I mean, he does jokes like that all the time. And people get upset. And they really, they were like, cancel him. That's terrible. Shut up. I have been the victim of much domestic violence. I found it funny. I thought it was hilarious because I was like, he right though. Like, <laughs> like, is the situation that happens, is he saying domestic violence is funny? No. But he's taken a really shitty situation and putting a spin on it so it doesn't hurt that much. It doesn't trigger you because it's funny. You know, and people forget that humor really does help you deal and process and cope with things. You know, laughter is the best medicine and the world seems to be running away from laughter. Everybody wants to sit and wring their hands and cry. And I need a pill and I need a drink and I need some weed and I need the, you know, let me take this. So let me take that. And I'm going to stop talking to this person. I'm going to cancel that person. It's so outwardly and inwardly, hateful it's hateful they hate themselves they hate the world lighten the fuck up because the only way we're going to get through a lot of this shit that we're seeing right now is by getting together and like you got to make lighter of it of or it's too heavy it's too heavy to carry we're not saying you're not dealing with it we're not saying it's not serious. In fact, the funnier things are, like the more you laugh at something, usually the heavier the topic. Because otherwise you can't face it. That's why humor is down, anxiety is up. And it irritates me. It really does. You know, there's nothing wrong with laughing at these things. There's really not. You're not laughing at the situation, really. You're not laughing at the topic. You're just laughing at his spin on things. 
because people use humor to get through things. Robin Williams was one of the saddest people, apparently, ever. And he was one of the funniest. I'm fucking funny. I make people laugh all the time. But I am not a happy person. And yes, Jacob, dark humor, even dark. I love dark humor. Like, I, Matt Rafe said something about um, if you put a trans person and a handicapped person in a room together and they did their like one upping, like who's got it worse? Pretty sure trans would lose because the, you know, the handicapped person would be sitting there in their wheelchair and the trans would be like, you know, they want me to have to use a separate bathroom. He's like, really? And, you know, like they want me to jump, like they want me to walk and they, da, 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 and every, he'd be like, oh, they, they want you to what? They want, oh, yeah, I can't walk. I can't jump. I can't do any of this shit. Like, they're like, oh, you, you want to pick your sex? I can't even pick, like, you know, like the car that I want because I don't fit in it. I can't drive it. Like, you want to, like, you really want to compare, you know, our tribulations, our trials in life because you're going to lose. But he makes it funny. What the hell was the joke he said? I don't know. It, it, there was there was so many different jokes. I mean, I do. I love him. He's hilarious. Lady Awesome said, "Yeah, I moved to Tennessee, and down there, there are Bible classes based around the Andy Griffith Show." <laughs> My ex husband was a fan of that show. I have no doubt. Hey, Jacob, remind me to Wong Fu. Yes, to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Love Julie Newmar. That was a hilarious show. See Wesley Snipes. In full drag. John Leguizamo. Full drag. Patrick Swayze. Full drag. And it was amazing. It was a hilarious movie. Because they didn't take themselves too seriously. You know, they were very entrenched in who they were. Robin Williams was in that too. He played um, John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. Um, and he was just like, he was, yeah, just a shyster. Like he, he had the ins and outs. He was a, the go-to like con man, fix it, man, whatever. But he was hilarious. And he always is. I mean, how many times did Robin Williams play like gay characters, like super flamboyant? The man was, he was very manly looking too. Like, I mean, he was covered in hair. Like, he even did it in one of his specials. He said there was a gorilla that looked at him and was like, damn, he hairy. Like, like, he's got a lot of hair. You know, like, she reached out. She's like, ooh, I like him. Can I have him? Because she thought he was another gorilla because he was so hairy. And this, but this is what's funny. You're allowed to make fun. You're allowed to mock. Because it's not done hatefully. It's done so that you can digest it. You can't digest half the stuff out there. They throw it at you constantly. It's war, 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 war. Laughing was always about the jokes. Yes, it was very liberal, but it was the liberal as it was then. It was all peace, love, and, you know, like, orgies and weed. But that's what it was then, not what it was, not what it has turned into now. And I loved watching Laughing. My whole life, I, I loved watching Laughing because they were so irreverent. And if you've ever known me, like my catchphrase for me, if somebody says, describe yourself in one sentence, all right, irreverence is my superpower because I don't give a shit. 
I don't. You find something sacred, fuck your sacred cow. I don't care. I don't care. It's not sacred to me. I'm going to do what I want with it. If you don't like it, don't listen. You know, I have people in chat that they're always going to keep coming back, whatever, God willing. And I'm happy for you. I'm happy you're here. I've seen the numbers go up and down while I'm talking about this because people come in there like, oh, yeah, what's she talking about? Oh, no. Can't listen to it. Like, oh, my poor ears. Oh, your poor virgin ears. Stop. Like, if I offend you, fuck off. I don't care. I really don't. I don't care if I offend you. I don't care if your feelings get hurt. I watch, Jesus Christ, I watch Nick Ricada on the regular. If I can watch him and not be offended by anything he says, and believe me, some of the things he says, I'll, I'll send him a message and be like, you're a dick. You know? <laughs> you're such a dick. But I'm laughing while I'm typing it. People send him $100 super chats to tell him what a dick he is. How stupid are you to spend $100 just to give your opinion out there? I could do the same thing for free. But the thing is, like, I do it and he knows it's a joke. You know, and it, it's wonderful so, sometimes for me to go there and to get that level of comedy where he is just, he just lets it fly and he gets in trouble. It's in trouble all the time. And he don't care. Um, this week he had Dick Masterson on because they talked about like he talked about the whole Maddox trial thing way back when and um, like the Maddox lawsuit. I don't remember if it was a trial, but um, there was one of the first things he had covered and that was like five, six years ago. I didn't know it had to do with Dick Masterson. I didn't know Dick Masterson was around that long. I'm not a Dick Masterson fan. Can I deal with him in small doses? Yes. But sometimes the way he talks, like just the tone of his voice, I'm like, oh, it's like nails down a chalkboard for me some days. It's not the content of what he's saying. I think he's funny. He's very contrarian. So I probably would not want to have a conversation with him because it's just I know that it would be nothing but conflict. And that gives me anxiety. But I will happily watch him for a short amount of time and listen to him go at somebody else because it's funny. And it's funny to watch somebody spurg out because they can't handle, you know, like his arguments. He could be talking right out of his ass, just lying. And he tells you all the time, I lie. I lie all the time because that's his thing. That's how he sells, you know, his skill. His skill is comedy. His skill is being irreverent and being a contrarian. He likes to be, you know, like a shit star. And that's fine. That's him. Nick had him on him and Nick together. It's like, oh, dear God. I watched for like maybe 20 minutes and I was like, I love you, Nick. I got to go to sleep. <laughs> I can't do it. Not tonight. Like it's been a long week. Um, Jacob Castro, Nick's explanation gained 100,000 subs from Rittenhouse brings Drex on to clear the rank. He brings Drex on to clear the ranks. Well, yeah. Or he brings on Dick to bring the, to clear the ranks. But it, it was a good show last night. I enjoyed it. I only watched a little bit of it, but I'll watch the rest of it today because I want to. And I'm more awake. But like back to Norman Lear, um, because I really think the man, 101, he deserved uh, 
he deserves a little bit of attention. You know, he had the Jeffersons one day at a time. So you had a black couple with a black maid who made it from living next door to Archie Bunker, right? To a penthouse apartment. Like they're like, you know, to a deluxe apartment in the sky. That was considered luxury. See, now it's reversed. I don't want the damn apartment. I want the house. They had the house and moved into an apartment, but they had a maid, you know, they had, you know, it was just, they had white neighbors. They had a biracial couple that George always made fun of. You know, he always called the husband honky or whatever, you know, like it was, it was hilarious. Offensive. Yeah, probably, you know, but people now would be like, oh, that's so racist. It, it wasn't considered racist. It was just commentary. That's all it was. It was pointing something out that's so obvious and making it funny. So nobody had to have their panties in a bunch about it. Nobody had to be like, oh, I'm so offended. I can't get over it. I just, oh, I can't believe they put that on TV. They put it on TV and they were like, <laughs> you heard the jokes. But what it did was it put it in your face. So the jokes were doing one thing. They were raising, you know, like your spirits and everything and making light of it. So that when you did see this biracial couple or this black couple that are now like, you know, successful and whatever, the people that it would normally like possibly offend, they're looking at it with laughter and they're going, oh, it's not so bad. Oh, it's actually kind of cool. You know, it became a way for people to accept change. But not in an in-your-face, punch-you-negative kind of way. It made you laugh through it. And it it gave you a more positive feeling toward it. So that when you encountered it outside of the TV show, you you had a little bit more information. You weren't afraid. You weren't stressed out. You were just like, oh, just like the Jeffersons. You had a reference point. People don't look at it that way anymore. They think you fucking come out of the womb and you're just woke and you just know everything and you should know all the history. You people don't even know the history. Last night, <laughs> I swear to God, I do more promotion for freaking winning than I do for myself. Um, last night he had repairing history together, or as they like for me to say, repairing history together. We had that with white slavery and the history of slavery. And he went in depth with all different videos from our good friends at Forgotten History. If you don't know who they are, just check out their channel on YouTube. They're just called Forgotten History. You go in, they have tons of stuff. Their playlists are amazing. Um, I highly recommend you sub up to them. Tell them that, you know, me and Winning sent you if you go into their chat. Um, I don't think they do a lot of lives. I think they do mostly um, videos, but I mean, really just amazing playlists. They really go in depth and it's it's really good. So he borrowed a lot of their videos. They gave him permission and there's stuff going way, way back about, you know, the Irish being enslaved, about the Slavs, about the Turks being, you know, enslaving like countries of people. They talk about present day slavery and all that kind of stuff. And it was really enlightening. And the thing is, most of the people like in chat were like, oh, I didn't know that. 
I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Wait a minute. Because it doesn't do the politicians and the government and, you know, the powers that be any kind of service for you to know the actual history. It's very hard to continue a racial divide in the United States if people know the true history of slavery. You know, if they know who started it, if they know who were the real slaves in the beginning, you know, if they know the difference in how the different groups of slaves were treated, it was never just one group that suffered. Yeah. So for them to be like, oh, but you know, I need this. I No, everybody needs to just get the fuck over it. I know it's not a popular opinion, but if you're going to live 150, you know, years in the past, you better not have a car. You bet your ass better be on a horse. You better be using the Pony Express for your fucking mail. Fuck Amazon. Nope. You better go to a trading post or a general store. You better use like silver coins and stuff like your transactions. Because if you're going to live in that mindset, go live in that goddamn culture. Go use everything that they had. Go out and pump your water. Have an outhouse. You don't get to have all the modern conveniences if you're not going to move your thinking into modern day. Because that's bullshit. You can't pick and choose what you want to, you know, hold on to. Let it go. You'd be amazed. And I know I'm going to get shit for it. I don't care. If you don't learn to let things go, and it's not just slavery, racism, and sexism, whatever. Anything that bothers you, if you don't learn to let it go, it will haunt you and it will cripple you. And you're not going to succeed. You're not going to be a better person because you're stuck. You're not progressing by getting worse. You're, you're, all right, you're changing if you're getting worse, but you're not progressing. You're not improving. You want to succeed? You want to be happy? Get rid of the shit that doesn't make you happy. If a certain way of thinking makes you miserable, guess what? Work on not thinking that way. Is it easy? No, everything takes work. But if you work for things, it, it works out. Things can get better for everybody from small to big. But you got to put the work in. It's not just going to fall in your lap like that. People are like, oh, I put it in God's hands. Yeah, you put it in God's hands. God put the ability in you. He already did the work. Now you got to figure out what he put in you, in your personality, in your skill set, in your mindset, in your ability to look outside of your own personal wants and needs and, you know, like all the trauma of your life. He put all that in you. You have to discover that. When you say you're putting it in God's hands, God's already done the work. He's waiting for you to step up and do it. He's not going to do everything for you. He made you. He made you. He raised you. He gave you everything you needed. Now it's up to you. If you don't have within you what you need, find somebody who does. People out there love to help. The thing is, we're afraid to volunteer our help because we get blamed for shit. You know, you say hi to somebody right away. They're like, oh, they're harassing me. If you have the same route as somebody going to work and they see you in like several places for several days, 
they could say you're stalking them. You're just doing your thing. Maybe they're stalking you. Why does anybody have to be stalking them? Just go about your business. Mind yours. Take care of your house. Clean up your yard. Help your neighbor. Help your community. You know, it's got to start in your own self and then move outward. The same way you do it with the negativity, you could do it with the positivity. And I guarantee you will run into people who will offer you comfort and love and advice and the strength that maybe you don't have, the resources that maybe you don't have. Those people are out there and they're plentiful. I've, I trip over them every day. But they're afraid to reach out because it seems like every time we reach out to help somebody up, we get our hand slapped. So you're creating a world where nobody wants to help one another because they're afraid to. That has to stop. You know, back when these shows were popular, neighbors knew everything going on. They knew, but they didn't talk about it. They didn't go around and they didn't call the police when, you know, they thought you were doing something wrong. They were just like, you know what? That's their house. That's not my circus, not my monkeys. Um, Another show, 1975, One Day at a Time. Oh, I loved it. I loved that show. Valerie Bertinelli was like, she was just adorable. And I just, I loved, you know, like the whole theme song or whatever. I actually had Winning singing that theme song for me the other day. He was like, I remember that one. Um, And it was so funny. He's so cute. But that show was about, you know, she was a divorced single mom with raising two girls. And she had to work. And it was a struggle. And those kids had to be like at home and they made mistakes and, you know, they did things they weren't supposed to. And never once did she like break down and say, oh, you got to go to shrink. She was like, all right, we'll deal with it. It was a family thing. You know, and they had the superintendent, you know, Schneider, who he always had a say in something or whatever. He was creepy, but he wound up, you know, they played him as a good guy, but he always creeped me out. But I mean, it was a really good show to show exactly what was going on in the world. Different strokes. Two kids who lost their parents adopted by this super duper rich guy, you know, super duper rich guy who, you know, he had his little white blonde daughter, Dana Plato. And, you know, like he had her and he had um, Charlotte Ray. Um Mrs. Garrett was his um, was his cook or maid, whatever you wanted to call her. Um, his, I don't know, I guess like house staff. But she was part of the family, you know. And that was the same thing. All these like maids, cooks, whatever, they were part of the family. Like it was not a, oh, you're beneath me thing. It was a, I need help and I'm hiring you. Like because you're sweet and you're motherly and I can count on you and you're dependable. Because that's what's important. I'm not hiring you because you're a certain color or you're a certain like demographic or whatever. I'm not hiring because you're cheap. I'm not hiring because, you know, this. I'm hiring you because you're the best person for the job. Because I think you're going to add to my family. I need that. There are certain things that I can't do because I have to do A, B, and C. So D and E don't get touched. So if you could do D and E, that'd be great. And that's what happened. Uh, What else? Oh, my my 
all-time favorite after Archie Bunker, The Facts of Life, which again, Mrs. Garrett went from different strokes to Facts of Life. That's one thing. Norman Lear had a habit of like, oh, here, this spinoff for here, spinoff for that one, spinoff for that one, spinoff for... And the facts of life, come on, you, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. I used to love that show. I mean, let's face it, I am Joe Polnicek, except I'm not Polish. But, like, I, her whole personality, that was all me growing up. I even wore my hair like her. I have a, um, my mother has it on her wall. There's a a hand-drawn picture, like a sketch that they did down in Atlantic City on the boardwalk. My aunt had it done for like three bucks. And I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, I really do look like Joe Polinchek. Because I had my hair the exact same way with the two like things and then the back ponytail. And I I was tough, like I acted tough like her. I talked tough like her, you know. And I liked, yeah, I was kind of like, you know, I had that biting sense of humor. You know, I don't know where it went. I don't know. But yeah, like that, that was what I liked. It's what I enjoyed. It was fun. And she made me laugh. You know, Mrs. Garrett was super sweet. I wanted Mrs. Garrett to be in my, hey, winning. Um, I wanted Mrs. Garrett to be like in my family. And she kind of was because she reminded me of my grandmother. You know, just that little short, chunky, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to cook a whole bunch of meals and no, you girls and whatever. Like, she was very on top of everything, same way my grandmother was. And I love that. And we all had a Blair. In my class, it was Tanya. Ugh. But they had substance to them, but you just... Mm -hmm. Like, she would say things and I'd be like, you're so fucking spoiled. And she was like, no, I was like, you're just very, we used to call them like bougie and like frou-frou. Like, that's what she was. She thought she was hot shit. And I was like, no, not really. And who did she, you know, want to be friends with? The other girls that were hot shit. And who did she wind up being friends with? Me. Because it was, you know, she got honesty from me. She recognized that years later. I still don't like her, but whatever. Um, but I was able to be nice to her. I mean, I wasn't mean to her. Joe and Blair wound up best friends. You know, you had Natalie and, you know, Tootie. It, you had all different types of people. You had like the, well, I guess on there you had like the matronly woman and you had, you know, like the, the tomboy. You had the super, you know, feminine rich girl. You had the tomboy with, you know, like from poor starts and like immigrant parents, whatever. Um, she was a mechanic. So, you know, like I really, really related to her. Um, her boyfriend in the beginning was freaking gorgeous. Oh my God. He always reminded me of like a brunette haired Mark Hamill. I don't know why. Um, only just a little cuter. And then you had like, you know, you had a black girl, Tootie, who was always on roller skates in the beginning when facts of life started, it was so strange. Um, I believe Molly Ringwald was on there. And so you had like, I think she was like this kind of awkward geeky kind of like, I'm so socially awkward. I don't really know what to say. And mm -hmm. 
and you had the chubby girl, Natalie. So you had all these different girls living together. And God, wasn't that every single school across America? That's what you had. You had that mixture. And that show helped us learn how to deal with one another. It really did. And it brought up topics that nobody wanted to talk about. You know, it dealt with handicaps. Like it had the one girl who I think she had, um, she either had muscular dystrophy. I think she had muscular dystrophy. I, I believe her name was Jerry. It was Blair's cousin. And like Blair was very embarrassed by her and she had to learn to get over that because having somebody handicapped in your family or disabled is not something to be ashamed of where at that time they used to institutionalize handicapped people. A lot of people don't know that they did that. You could just, they'd say, no, this kid is too much. It's going to be too much on your family to raise this kid. Give them to us. You can visit. And parents did that. They would send their kids off to these schools or these institutions, and they'd go visit them once a week, once a month, once a year, until they forgot about them. A lot of them forgot their kids even existed. People forgot that they ever had that kid. So like neighbors and stuff, they're like, oh my God, yeah, that's right. Because you didn't take them out of there, you just left them there. You know, every single care of them was done there, and it wasn't it wasn't good usually. You know, what you got to see was good, but what they lived was something different. So this brought a lot of that into like like institutionalizing, you know, people because of a disability is not the right way to go. Like accepting them into your family and dealing with their issues and treating them like everybody else, that was the way to go. And they pushed that agenda, that kind of inclusion that kind of you know family environment where you cared you loved them no matter what and our country did much better you know now it's all about you know oh whatever you know like you have to hold them up i don't need to celebrate them i mean if they do something worth celebrating then yeah but it's not like every day they wake up and go yeah look at you you're handicapped no that's stupid but now it's like they just, oh, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. I don't have to do shit. I have to pay taxes, unfortunately, and then someday die. Those are the only two things I have to do. But back then, they were more about bringing these things to light. You know, they introduced these topics in a way that didn't, it didn't bowl you over. It didn't put you into a depression. It just, you kind of sat there and went, oh, oh. Like it was a slow realization and they would make it funny. And that just, that kind of smoothed it out. So it was a lot easier to deal with. And we don't do that anymore. Now we get offended at the jokes, which is dumb. Comedy is the best thing to me. Like I've always said, I don't care what your job is. I don't care like what you do, how much you're worth, what you drive. You make me laugh and Let's go. Come over here. Have a cup of coffee. Talk to me. Make me laugh. I will guffaw for hours. I give no fucks. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. I lost my place. <laughs> um, Jacob Pizza's sub brother. So we got both my Jakeys and winning reality. Uh, 
Jacob Pizza, Jacob's fucking autistic at winning. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, Jacob's a special case, but aren't we all? We all have a little bit of the tism, okay? I don't want that. Can't be an excuse anymore. It just can't. Not around here. Like, we all are very prone to remember certain details about certain things. Doesn't make you autistic. It makes something important to you, and it makes you remember it because it's important to you. That's scientifically backed. Go look it up. I'm not going to because I don't want to. Um, when you say, what's up, fellas? Excuse you. Hmm. I am offended. No, <laughs> I could give a crap. Like, I walk in, I'm like, hey, guys. And there are women who are like, excuse me, I am not a guy. No shit. I mean, I'm not calling them guys because they have dicks. I'm calling you guys because you're my bros. Like, what the hell? Calm down. Uh, Jacob, he's ain't much, man. Watching the narrative machine spin up. In real time over Ukraine. Again, awesome. That's just great. When he said that and all the cope and seethe over Vivek's J6 comments. Mm. Uh, Peter Griffin, as Ms. Garrett noticed the three freckles on the left can't. Oh, God. And Joe's retarded cousin, who was a comedian. No, it wasn't Joe's cousin. It was Blair's cousin. Um, I can't remember her name. Or was it? No, that the one that I'm thinking of was Blair's cousin, uh, and her name was—I'm pretty sure her name was Jerry. Jacobies. Oh, they'll never stop with him. He turned his back on the message. It's all about the message. Jacobies, Shelly. Good morning, doll. Beautiful artwork. That winning did that for me. He made that for me, so I wanted to put that up and showcase it because you know it's adorable. I love it. Uh, Jacob Peets, that was the voluntary side of institutionalization, which is arguably more nefarious. Parents could choose to keep their disabled children. Some just didn't want the hassle. Disgusting. Now, wait. I'm going to give you pushback on that. Yes, it was disgusting in the context we think of it now, the way they, they tell you now, if you're thinking about it. But at the time, one, they had a huge spike in children that had deformities, had um, developmental disabilities, who were nonverbal, who were violent, who were very, very aggressive, who could harm themselves. And they didn't have, you know, transfer benches for showers. They didn't have all the like, Things that we could buy, the medical supplies that we can buy to assist a handicapped person in the house. Often these people could not afford to make their houses handicap accessible. My grandmother's house, there's no way a wheelchair would have fit through any bathroom door in that house. No way. You know why? Because none of the bathrooms had just flat floor. There was always like a door jam right in front, like on the floor like a piece of marble or a piece of wood. And you'd have to get over that like little step. Cause sometimes they weren't little, like I've tripped on mine in my old house and there was no way you'd have to do all these renovations. And the doctors would tell the mothers, 
you have they didn't have one other kid usually they had four five six other kids and a limited income one income with a mortgage with all the bills that go with that with feeding these kids there was no homeschooling they had to go to school so you had to pay for lunch you had to do everything you know you had to make them lunch every day make them breakfast there was a whole routine and it was very disruptive so the doctors would tell them look you cannot do this on your own we don't have the capability we don't have the knowledge because they really didn't they didn't understand it they didn't understand that you know somebody with a developmental disability could still learn they just learn slower you know they may be learned in a different way that was not something that was understood back then so the doctors would convince these parents especially the mothers you can't handle this we have specialists we'll take care of them they don't even know you they don't recognize you they're you know they're beating up on you they're destroying your house they're doing this they're a danger to themselves because we don't know how to take care of them in the house you know at home this is not a you know like part-time job this is a full-time job and you can't do it because you're running a house you're running a business you're running this you're running that just let us take care of them that's how they sold it and because there was no experience with this kind of stuff on the level that it had gotten to which let's think about it the level it happened in like basically like the 50s 60s there of course were cases before that but not as substantial as after we started dropping bombs on people like you know that that kind of stuff changed the world medicine changed the world not always for the better you had thalidomide you had you know women taking thalidomide i believe it was for nausea when they were pregnant kids coming out deformed missing legs having t-rex arms like having you know no arms having like just like one eye and one eye just isn't there having their heart on their outside of their body all these different deformities and like um genetic mutations and genetic um anomalies they had all these things coming about and it was so much that they'd never dealt with before we like to think that medicine is so advanced it's not they can't fix me now you think they were going to be able to fix somebody 50 years ago 70 years ago 90 years ago that had the issues that our kids still have now they haven't fixed it now what do you think they did back then i mean medicine back then was goddamn medieval like the shit that they did to people was ridiculous the whole oh you want to be taller all right we'll break your legs and install these screws and stop the fact that people did that just kills me put people in an iron lung you know like it was just it was bizarre and it was i mean god look at look at freud look at young like granted that's more psychological but still that was considered you know a medical science nobody knew how to deal with it it was all trial and error so these kids didn't have a shot because if they were going to go get all these like surgeries or whatever who was going to deal with them at home how was that going to work so the whole life some people just couldn't afford it you know abortion wasn't a thing 
amniocentesis, finding out early wasn't a thing. You weren't prepared. You know, everything happens for a reason. But for these people, they couldn't figure out what the reasoning was. They couldn't understand that a lot was environmental. A lot was the fact that they drank while they were pregnant. They smoked when they were pregnant. Because they weren't told that it was bad for them. It was encouraged. My mother got really, really, really low on energy when she was first um, diagnosed as being pregnant with me. She thought she had an ulcer. The doctor was like, yeah, your ulcer will be out in nine months. Um, and there she was pregnant with me. She was not happy about it. Not happy at all. And she was very sick from it. I apparently made her very nauseous. Her doctor told her that she needed to, you know, up her up her barley and her hops for her blood or whatever. I forget what bullshit reason he gave her. He told her to drink malt liquor. Okay. So she did the entire pregnancy. You know, he said, if she's real, if you're really upset, Mary, just have a shot. Calm down. So she did. And she calmed down a lot, many times. And she smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, minimum. You know, and she got thrown around by my father. So, yeah, my sister came out, like, looking like the damn Targaryen baby in the last, like, one of those last episodes of um, Game of, uh, not Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. And I came out four pounds looking like a little blue duck covered in freaking hair. So, yeah, like, it was, <laughs> did it lead to good things? No. No. Let's let's face it, I got issues. All right, but at least I was healthier as a kid than I had any right to be based on her pregnancy. But had something gone wrong, I had a cousin who was born with cerebral palsy. His mother took care of him as long as she could. And then she became elderly. He was only like maybe 20. And they had to put him in in a home. That's what they called it. They called it the home. That's what they always called it to me. And he loved it there. He, they actually, they found a really good one for him and he couldn't talk. Like he could say little things. She understood him. I never understood him. I just, I bonded with him over baseball cards. Like we would just look at baseball cards together for hours and he would get so excited if I brought him a new pack of cards. That's all it took was a 25 cent bag of Tops baseball cards, bring it to him. And that boy's year was set. He would know every, and he could tell you every stat and everything. I couldn't understand it, but I knew that's what he was telling me. And it was, it brought him joy. She took care of him as long as she could, but then she couldn't. And there was nobody else to take him. So yeah, he went in, he went into a home. He went into an institutionalized environment. I don't even know if he's alive anymore because I until like 10 years after he was moved, I forgot about him. I actually forgot about him. And I spent many, many times with him and my Guma Lucy. Like I there was so much time with him and I forgot because he was put away. You know, out of sight, out of mind. I felt terrible. Did I go find out where he was and go visit him? No. Am I proud of that? No, but I accept it that that's what happened. 
but it was different. So you can't just be disgusted by the parents. Like it was a lot. And until you have a special needs kids, you have a special needs kid. You have no idea the amount of energy and resources it takes just to raise that kid. Never mind to raise them well and to give them every advantage that you can. It takes everything just to get through the day sometimes. It's very, very hard. So while I don't think it was right what they did, I get it. And I can't really fault them for it because they didn't know any better. And then when it started coming to light, the conditions of these schools, yeah, parents went and got their kids. A lot of them did. You know, a lot of them went and said, no, you can't. -uh. There's still schools like that. I, I, they wanted me to put Katie in one. I was like, absolutely not. The first time I saw a kid strapped to a fucking chair, like arms, legs, neck, chest, um, feet, and forehead all strapped to a chair because well, she moves too much. Oh, yeah, no, my kid's not going here. Because if you look at my kid and think that's going to happen, you're going to need that chair just to hold yourself upright. Because I'm a fuck you up. Um, Jacob said the involuntary side at least involves some finding of incompetence with relatives due to pro uh, with relative due process. It wasn't a perfect system, but at least you didn't walk away from your children. Yeah, see, I I know you're young, and I know you've never had to be in have had to be in that kind of position. So you can't you can't read and understand what that's about. I'm sorry. You just can't like that's something you have to experience firsthand to truly understand the weight of it. So, no, I won't pass judgment on parents that did that. Because believe me, there were many days I wish somebody would come in here and just taken the weight off my shoulders for a fucking day. And that never happened. So, I mean, I can understand and I didn't have other kids that I had to deal with. I just had Katie for 11 years. That's why there's an 11 year gap between my kids. Yeah. Cause I knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. I had miscarriages in between, but I didn't have any births in between. And I'm, I was almost happy for it. Cause I knew I couldn't give them and Katie the equal attention that they deserved. Katie needed all my attention. I couldn't give that to anybody else. I couldn't even give that to my husband. I tried. He was never going to be my top priority. You know, he was never going to be a priority if Katie was involved. Like he was, you know, he didn't count if Katie was involved. It, Katie was the focus. He was a grown ass functioning man. He could handle himself. And if he couldn't get the fuck out, like I don't need more hangers ons. Like, I need somebody who can step up and, like, help out. So, yeah, it's it's just different. And it's something that's very, very important to me. Because when people say that, I'm like, you don't get it. I get that you don't get it. And I can forgive, you know, the way you're looking at it. But you, you know, like I said, don't die on that hill because you'd be wrong. Uh, Jacob said, fair play monetization added many conveniences, difficult at times to remove the bias against doctors 
and considered they used to be trusted for some reason. You believed your doctor no matter what. Don't forget, doctors were part of the family usually back then. Like, they came to the house. They didn't treat you. They treated you, your husband, your kids. You know, they treated everybody but the damn dog. And push came to shove. You could call them up and be like, my dog's throwing up and the vet isn't answering. All right, I'll prescribe whatever. And they just do whatever. Like, And they would. They'd be like, go to the pharmacy and ask for blah, blah, blah. Or give them this kind of diet. You know, so they did contribute for the entire family. You know, everybody had a set doctor, a set dentist. That's pretty much all you had. If you had to go to a specialist, it was, oh, my God. And your doctor found your specialist. You didn't find them. They gave you somebody that they knew the reputation of. You weren't going to some stranger. And they, you'd go to that doctor and say, such and such sent me. And they knew they had to, like, bring their A game because, oh, shit, this one recommended me. I, I can't be below par. You know, this is my reputation and their reputation. It mattered. Reputations mattered. They don't anymore. They really don't. Because you'll take the shittiest doctor out there as long as he'll see you. That makes me sick. Uh, Rosemary Kennedy was slow and her family had her lobotomized. Not her family, her father. Okay, Joe Kennedy was a dick. Uh, her parents were sick. Her, her mother, if you think her mother had any say in that at all, you're nuts. Joe Kennedy ruled that family with an iron fist. All right, so anything that they did, you could trace that right back to him and his fucked up mentality. Winning reality. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts alive. The facts alive. Yep. What is the rest of it? There's a time you gotta grow and show. There's a time you gotta go and grow and show you're growing now you know about the facts of life. Yeah. If the world never seems to be living up to your dreams. I can't remember the rest of it, but that's it. Um, God, my voice sucks today. I've been talking way too much. Jacob laughed. I'm glad you're laughing, Jacob Castro. Um, Pete's, well, the Kennedys are a whole other rabbit hole entirely. Yeah, they really are. I mean, there was nothing. First of all, they didn't do that um, outpost because she was slow. They did it because she was fast. She was a social butterfly. She was very like, hey, I want to be the hoe in this, you know, scenario. She was, you know, wild and fancy free, much like JFK was. Only she was a woman and no, 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 you can't do that. There's obviously something wrong with her. She's manic or she's crazy or whatever because she's trying to fuck all these people. So can you put a hole in her brain so that we don't have to deal with it anymore? Great. And somebody signed up to do that. Why? Because he was Joe freaking Kennedy and they wanted to try out their procedure. They knew lobotomies didn't work. They knew that the electroshock therapy that they did at the time didn't freaking work. Now they do electroshock therapy to like take away like three to six months of your memories. Carrie Fisher used to go and get it done as a therapy for her. Like she, that was really like her preferred therapy over talking to a therapist. She's like, just go and zap me. So I forget the last six months. 
and they'd be like, oh, we had this conversation. She's like, yeah, you had it. I don't remember it. When, when did it happen? Like four months ago. Oh, no, I got zapped like, you know, like three days ago. I, was like, I don't remember nothing. Don't even worry about it. Oh, you owe me money? I couldn't remember. Like, keep it. Like, <laughs> that's how she was. Like, oh, I don't remember it. They zapped me. Forget it. Um, but it was, a, it's the same concept, but it was different because they learned how to do it. They knew lobotomies didn't work. They continued to do it because the medical field is trash. They're a bunch of mad scientists trying to just like, you know, use us as guinea pigs. That's what they do. They still do it. Hello. Look at me. I'm in a very guinea um, piggish position here because that's what I felt like. I felt like a guinea pig. Yeah, it's okay. I did what you made me do. And now look what you did to me. How do I fix this? Oh, I don't know. So you did it, but you didn't know how to fix it if something went wrong. And you knew something was going to go wrong. Well, well, you know, it, it was for the, you know, most people. I don't give a fuck about most people. I care about me. At the end of the day, it's me I got to worry about. I don't care about you, you know, the doctor mainly. Like, I don't care about your health. That's on you. That's your problem. This is my problem. So let's, I'm paying you. Or my insurance is paying you. How about you focus on me and improve me? Help me. Because otherwise, I'm going to be the biggest pain in the ass you've ever fucking met. And the biggest bitch. And then you're like, oh, I don't like her attitude. You brought this attitude, dude. Like, help me. They don't. They, they don't want to help you. They want your money. But they don't want to help you. Um, Jacob Castro, unless you're getting trash, you'll metabolize them a little, a little alcohol and none gets to the fetus. Beer really helped feeding afterwards. Yeah, we're not talking about a little alcohol. Like when my, <laughs> when my mother drank, when she was told drink malt liquor, that's just what she drank. And the cigarettes, a lot of cigarettes. My father did a lot of weed around her when she was pregnant with me. And again, he threw her down a flight of stairs when she was five months pregnant. So all those things combined, not, it was a miracle I made it out at all. Um, it's like trying to get through the friggin' like the gauntlet. I'm Xena going through it, and except I was, you know, a fetus. India, hello, hello. You love that picture? Winning did that picture. Isn't that nice? He made that for me because um, he's a sweetie like that. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Jacob, he said, hi, Enya. Enya, how you doing? I'm well, girl. Y'all are so cute. I love that y'all are just good friends to one another. It, it just warms my heart. I don't think a lot warms my heart nowadays. <laughs> Enya, doing good. I have a kid home with a cold. He feels fine, just contagious. <laughs> <laughs> since you said that yeah I've been battling like this nice little sinus headache that I constantly have going and this great cough uh, oh yay lucky stay healthy <sighs> outpost nerd what is the question I have why oh why is the question I have why do that to your daughter and what self-respecting doctor would do that I just answered that I literally just because he didn't want his daughter to be a hoe. 
because he was politically minded and she needed to toe the line and be part of the perfect family. She upset the optics. So he spun it. My daughter's not a wild, you know, like whore that runs around doing whatever she wants. No, she's sick. She's sick. It's such a drain on the family. But there are doctors that are going to help her. Oh, the surgery did not go well. And now she's worse than before. She can't speak and whatever. But there are good people taking care of her. That's how they spun it. They got, they went from being scandalous to getting the sympathy. He was an evil man, but he was smart as a whip. Like he, he had the, the, um, he had the, I guess he had the know-how on how to get to people and how to push his kids out into the limelight and make them look good and how to hide all those dirty secrets, uh, how to hide his involvement in, you know, like screwing with the stock market, how to hide his involvement with the Yahtzees. Like he was this huge supporter of the man with the little mustache, you know, he thought, yeah, that's great. I love all his, look at, listen to what he's saying. Absolutely. Separate us from everybody else. Cause he euthanasia, like eugenics and all that kind of stuff. He was all for it. Eugenics. Forget it. Absolutely. He, oh yeah. No, it's us and them. Like, and he Catholic Irish. <laughs> it's like, I'm telling I, I love that I'm Catholic. I do love the history and the stories and everything like that. Once you're Catholic, I think it's so indoctrinated into you. It's so embedded in your psyche. You can never not be Catholic. You can be a ton of other things, but that Catholicism is always going to twinkle through at the when you least expect it. And there's always that weird like uncomfortable loyalty to it and yeah they had a way of doing things and the vatican would back him up because he was rich you know they would have said oh yeah no he's absolved of any sin it's fine look at this new cathedral he built for us like you know that that was the way it was you know you guys you need to when you look at history you can't just look at what happened and be like oh that's so wrong you have to look at the context and the environment and the culture that it happened in, in the time that it happened. You have to be able to go back and understand that life was not the way it is now. You know, you didn't have, again, you didn't have the modern conveniences. You didn't have global reach. You didn't have information at your fingertips. If it wasn't in the paper or on the radio, you didn't know shit. Maybe if somebody went off to war and came back, they could tell you something. You were like, let me tell you something. We sat whenever like people came over that, you know, like any of my relatives that were war veterans, whenever they came over, it was all war stories all the time because it's all you want to know is about, oh, another country. Oh, what's it like over there? What are the people like? Do they smell different? Do they dress different? What do they eat? What do they do? Do they dance? Do they sing? Are they nice? Do they joke around? Did you understand them? Like a million freaking questions because you had no idea. You had absolutely no idea. Rabbit like your avatar. Thank you. Winning made it. 
Um, I think it's so cute. It's very pretty, and I love how colorful it is. Um, of course, when he gave it to me, I was like, oh, yeah, it's cute, because I'm horrible when people do things for me. <laughs> I was so awkward in that moment. Then, of course, when we hung up the phone, I was like, look at it. It's so cute. I love it. But I, I couldn't show that because I felt so stupid. But, um, yeah, so I'm very proud of it. So that'll be up there today. Um, Jacob P. said, nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys. Oh, my God. Like that man made sure that God was like, really? All right. Tip the scale the other way and keep it there and send karma on a double rotation for each of them. Because Jesus, and yes, God, you go look over like one or two of them, like keep them safe, but let them feel comfortable. And then we'll, then we'll throw, you know, whatever we got at them. Like that was the kind of thing it was, you know, it was a different time. Nobody went to therapists. If you were crazy, they just said you were crazy. They didn't want to find out why. They didn't label you with all these different things. They, you're crazy. That's it. They're, all right. She's depressed. She's depressed. Put her in a mental institution. Uh, suicidal. Go lock her up in a padded room in a straight jacket, which aren't those fun. Um, you know, it's because I've, I've been in one. <laughs> I was in one and they needed to take that off me because they were going to get killed with as soon as they took it off because I flipped out. You don't tie me down or tie me up for any reason. Because I, I will literally dislocate my shoulders thrashing around like you just can't do it. And they figured that out real quick. Um, but they did that after my you know attempt because I'd recovered. I woke up and I was thrashing around and you know, screaming because I had no idea what was going on, where I was, what happened. And yeah, they they still use straight jackets. And they put me in one because I, I, well, I punched somebody, but anyway. But like, I scratched a couple people, whatever. So yeah, it was like, no. Mm -mm. Now they just have like the cuffs on the beds or whatever. The straight jacket was much worse for me. I didn't like it. Um, and I remember it really 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 well that's a traumatic freaking memory but i look back at it i'm like i don't know if i'd be able to do that like if they put me in one now would it just feel like i'm hugging myself i might be okay with it <laughs> might not be as freaked out as i was but you know things change but the times were different and you have to think of it in that context because it won't make sense in the context that we go through now. Um, and you don't get to see the progress if you keep thinking, oh, they were just wrong. They were wrong from what we know now, but at the time, they thought they were right. And their findings told them that they were on the right path, that they were going in the right direction. Some people just took it a little extreme. Uh, in your words at Jacob Castro, I haven't gone back to know the context, but before being an adult, I only saw my mom drink once. She drank a half a beer when she was pregnant for a bladder problem, and it seemed to work. Yeah, my mother had to drink malt liquor. Not malt beer, malt liquor. I don't remember what the hell she said she drank, but I know it was a lot. And if she had any nerve problems, the doctor always told her, just take a shot. Shot of whiskey, shot of rum, shot of vodka, whatever. It was always a hard liquor. And my mother, she tended to go toward the rum. Um, 
So she would just have shots of rum or like a shot from like the gin bottle or whatever. Either way, my alcohol, like I spent most of her pregnancy probably drunk off my ass. Which if you've heard my mother's voice, I'm pretty sure after a couple months I needed a shot. So she did me a favor. I think the only way I could listen to her from inside her stomach without clawing my way out in a very alien-like way was to be drunk. <laughs> even now, it's just like, oh, Jesus. I could just imagine her walking around and be like, oh, my God, my daughter. I'm this kid sitting on my bladder, kicking my spine. Oh, I can't believe this. After like nine months of that, I'm pretty sure I, I needed a lot of drugs. Maybe that's why they put me in the incubator and just nobody touched me for seven days because it was like, no, she, she's been traumatized for like nine and a half months. Like, just leave her alone. She needs to decompress. Let her process on her own. Could have given me a fucking blanket, though. Jesus. Um, horrible. Like, they didn't even swaddle me. How terrible is that? I have all the pictures of like every single day. The doctors actually took the Polaroids from my mother. Because they went into my file. <laughs> and it was just like, just a diaper and a bunch of tubes and things strapped like and taped to my face. No clothes, no clothes, no blanket, no hat, no nothing. And I'm four pounds. Do you think I was cold? Yeah, probably. Probably. I consider that child abuse. But back then it was just like, oh, no, it's keeping her awake. Oh, okay. Um, and I have all my notes from the hospital because when I got older, I called them and I said, do you keep files from like 1974? And they were like, well, paper files. Yeah. I was like, can I get a copy of mine? And they were like, what did you have done here? As I was born there. Oh, we definitely have your file then. And it cost me like 50 bucks and it took like six weeks, but I got the file and I was like, damn, it was thick. Like, I mean, they sat there and made observations about me and wrote them down like every half hour. But again, in most of the notes is, you know, like what they did, none of them involved anybody ever taking me out of the incubator unless it was the doctor. Uh, feeding tubes. Nobody held me. No blankets. Nothing like that. I can't imagine doing that to a baby for a minute, let alone for seven days. I can't imagine. And in the thing, baby does not cry. Baby doesn't cry. Today, baby did not cry. You know, like, and that's what they wrote down, you know, amused herself. <laughs> they said I was fascinated with like the mittens on my hands as I was trying to get them off because that's all they had. They had my hands covered a lot of the time because I would scratch myself because I had long nails. Um, and no matter how much they cut them, my nails were super sharp and I would just tear the shit out of my skin. So that was the only thing I had. They just like, you know, taped gauze over my, over my hands. But I mean, it's amazing to look at those notes and be like, that would never fly. That would never fly now. And it's just like, I, I'm amazed. I lived through those seven days and made it home because I'm sure my treatment at home was way worse than in the hospital. Um, Rabbit, doctor thinks I have RSV. I have to go back and tend to RSV. What is that? Are you going to make me look it up? Uh, RSV. Respiratory 
syncytial virus infection. Oh, okay. Uh, a respiratory virus that infects the lungs and breathing passages. Woman? Of course, because winter's coming, so of course you're not feeling good. Please take care of you, rabbit. We, You're just... You're essential around here, girl. <laughs> we love you. And again... Like I, I was talking to somebody the other day that um, they were sick. They didn't tell anybody. They had a surgery. I was very upset that they didn't tell anybody that they had the surgery. And I said, well, I'll add you to my prayer list. And I said, you know, not for nothing. At this point, I, it would be easier if I just talked to God and been like, you know what? Can I just give you the people that I don't want to pray for? Like, and that, because that list is a fuck ton shorter. Like, and then everybody else, you'll just know by default, just, you know, take care of them. And that that's the way it's been going. And I, I think it's an age thing, too. Like my grandmother said, the older I get, the more I cross off names in my address book. And it, she used to hate when the phone would ring and I'd say, it's for you. She, oh, shit. She'd be like, here we go. Give me the pen in my address book. I'd be like, you don't know that somebody died. She'd be like, yeah, I do. And I just handed the book and I'd be like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. And she'd be like, oh, such and such. I'd be son of a bitch. And she'd be like, the older I get, the more crossing out I do. Every phone call brings one. And it's that way. Like I get texts all the time. My old superintendent, um, the assistant superintendent, um, Dr. Hernandez, the one that when he was retiring, I handed him a blow pop. And he was like, what's this for? I said, here, <laughs> suck it. And he was just like, ah, where have you been? Because I didn't like him. He died. I found that out two weeks ago. So it's just like, he's he's younger than me. <laughs> so many people, so many people. And I just, I hate every time the phone goes off, I'm like, no. Please be somebody's personal drama and not somebody that died. Just please. I just, cause I can't, I can't take any more bad diagnoses. I can't take any more losses. Just not right now. So woman, take care of yourself. Cause we love you and you can't, you're not allowed to go anywhere. Um, but why do you have to go back in 10 days? I hope he gave you medicines for it. I know a lot of these doctors like, Oh, it's viral. Just, you know, drink liquids and sleep. How about you give me a pill for that? You give me a pill for every goddamn mood I have. But bacteria, you don't give me a pill for it? Thanks. Uh, Outpost nerd. You did answer that, but it was after I asked the question in chat. Whatever. I didn't get to your question, okay? I'm behind. I'm like 15 minutes behind. Uh, and you might, oh, no, Rabbit, I hope you feel better soon. So say us all. Rabbit said, born a Catholic will always be one. I don't know how to not be a Catholic. I know how to be a whole bunch of other things. You know, I know how to study all these different things because other religions really interest me. Uh, I love learning about the stories and religions and the rules and all that kind of stuff, the customs and like the histories and the wars and because wars are almost always religious. It's ridiculous. Um, no, I think religion is the main cause behind most of the wars in history especially the bloodiest ones, like the most savage ones. And it's, it's, it amazes me that everybody's fighting. Oh, I just saw a spirit chatter. 
Oh, no, that was a tiny one. I don't like that. And it wasn't going toward the window. It came from the window. Y'all cats better get on the ball and go chase it because I do not need spirits here. Thank you very much. I'm not in the mood. Um, it amazes me that religion is supposed to be about, you know, being better, being kinder to each other, taking care of your fellow man and stuff like that. The message is always supposed to be one of like being a good person and, you know, loving and responsible and just how do they fight over it are you killing each other because you're trying to figure out who's the better group because in my eyes you both suck if you're killing one another like i don't get it how do people do these horrible things to support an amazing message I, I don't get it. I just I, I will never understand it. I get that they do it. I can accept that they do it. I don't like that they do it, but I don't understand the push for that. Outpost nerd, just two or three hundred years ago, people hardly went more than 50 miles from where they were born. That's true. And they had no way of knowing what was gone outside. Like, God, I mean, what was that? Um, Swiss Family Robinson, right? She had asthma. The little girl had asthma. So they moved into the mountains and they were dealing with, you know, like grizzly bears and da, da, da. And they were having their mail like sent in by a plane that would get dropped with their supplies. And then they found out that on the other side of the mountain that they were on was a city, like a fully urban city. And it was just like, are you kidding me? Like, how did you not know that was there? Well, you couldn't hear it. And because all the trees in between, you couldn't smell it. But it was there. You just, you were unaware of it because you were in your little, you know, your little biosphere <laughs> that you created, your little bubble. And yet, if your uncle told you some crazy fact, quote unquote fact, you might go on believing it forever. Kind of like if you pee on your feet, it will cure athlete's foot. What movie was that? I don't remember. But my grandfather convinced my grandmother that um, Asian people, but all right, so I'm going to use the word he used, Orientals, because that's what he called them. On women, the the vagina doesn't go from front to back. The slit doesn't go from front to back. It goes from side to side. So when they have babies, it just kind of opens up like a clam and everything just comes out. And my grandmother went to the doctor and she was having such a hard time conceiving and everything. And she was like, oh, this is so hard. I can't even like think about delivering. I wish I was, you know, one of these like oriental women because that's what they called them at the time. And he was like, why? He's because he's thinking probably, you know, they're much smaller than you are. Like they're very like fine one. Like my grandmother's hips were built for birth and babies. And he's like, but Catherine, why? She said, because she said, you know, it goes the other way. It goes from side to side instead of up and down. And he said, Catherine, who told you that? <laughs> 
my husband, he was like, oh my God. So he had to explain like general anatomy <laughs> that it does not differ from like culture to culture or race to race or continent to continent. He was like, no, we're all human. We're all made the same. Like it all goes the same way. Unless you're deformed, it's all the same. She honestly, she believed that it went the other way because that's what my grandfather told her. And how would she know any different? How would she know? She didn't have a girlfriend to go to and be like, oh, hey, you know, there was, she didn't hang out with anybody, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Filipino, none of them. She hung out with Italians. What are you going to do? Ask an Italian? If you stepped out and you like went outside the Italian culture, where'd you go? To the Irish. That was it. That, that was your big leap. You know, it was the Italian to Irish. That was it. You didn't always go, you didn't go to yeah, anybody Jewish, you didn't go to any Germans, you didn't go to yeah, Spanish was non-existent. They didn't even live near you. They were still over in their countries, you know, as far as we knew. As far as we knew. That's the way life was then. Yeah, the optics, it was so narrow. They could only see like this one teeny tiny piece of a mosaic. You know, and then with like the radio, the mosaic got, a, they saw a little bit more. And then TV, a little more. You know, newspapers brought them a little more. You know, like, but still the newspapers tended to, they focused on the people in their neighborhoods. That's why everybody had their own goddamn newspaper. We had the Hoboken Reporter. Could you imagine what that was like? It only told you what went on in Hoboken and possibly Jersey City, the city next door. Nothing about New York, because God forbid, fuck New York. Like, that's just, we're very territorial. And part of what we identify as is where we're from. How many times? My whole intro is about, I'm a Jersey girl. Jersey's in my blood. It's who I am because that's the culture I grew up in. Very different from a Southern culture. Very different from a California culture. And if you think states don't have their own culture, you need to wake up because they do. Hell, New Jersey has three, you know, different like location cultures. North Jersey, Central Jersey, South Jersey. We're all completely different. We don't like each other. Which is just an overall Jersey thing. We don't like anybody. But, like, we really don't like one another. Like, you have, like, the, you know, the New York types that are in North Jersey. that they That's what they call us. You know, we're, like, the toughies. We're the urban people. We're the thugs. Then you have Central Jersey where you have all, like, the richy rich and, you know, like, all the spoiled little brats. And it's, like, white central. And then you have the rednecks in South Jersey. Or the flow, the overflow from Philly. Like, that's what you have. And it's always been like that. Is it more mixed now? Yes. Are we ever going to admit that? No, we're always going to see it the way it was. But that was the, that was the extent of my world. I didn't know anything about Central Jersey. I didn't even know there was a Central Jersey. I knew there was a shore. Because that's where we went. Hi, Wolfie. How you doing? Hi, Darth. I'm a little behind in chat, but um, hey, Gutters Pub, how are you? Um, it was just, it's it's weird because I didn't grow up knowing anything. 
you know, I did not grow up thinking there were people that were different than me. I just figured everybody was like my family. I couldn't see outside of that. And if it wasn't on the TV, I really had no exposure to it. So like Archie Bunker was great for me. The Jeffersons, great. Good times, great. You know, what's happening, great. Different strokes, facts of life, um, Dukes of Hazard. Oh, my God. Who didn't love the Dukes of Hazard? Was that a, you know, like a show that I could relate to? Not at all. But I could sit there and go, oh, I love their accents. Oh, they're so cute. Oh, they're so country. Are they all like that down there? I want to move down there. Like, that was just it. I had just the biggest thing for Luke and Bo Duke. Forget it. Not so much Luke when I was younger, younger, because I went for the flashy, you know, blonde, bl- you know, Bo Duke. And I wound up marrying, like, the same thing. But just the Minnesota version, which don't ever do that. Um, but then when I got older, I learned to appreciate Luke Duke. Yeah, because Tom Wopat was like, I was like, he's goofy looking, but he's hot. Like, he's manly. And he was. He was much more manly than Bo Duke. I'm sorry. I love John Schneider, but like the character, he was just a pretty boy. Luke had substance to him. He was smart. He was more wily than than Bo was. And he was, you know, he's a better driver. Hold on. Oh my God, my children. They love to drive me crazy. Uh oh. See, so, all right, so you got to bear with me because we're having Amazon delivered. And apparently, they're having a hard time because, of course, they are. Of course, they are. And my daughter's like, Amazon, but the Amazon is coming. Yeah, I'm the next stop. Hopefully, they'll make it. So let's call Maria, shall we? Call Maria. And come on. There we go. I'm going to mute just so you don't hear my address if she answers. Yes? Yeah, and it's apartment. Thank you. I apologize for that. And you wound up hearing my address anyway. I don't give a fuck. Um, do, 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 because, of course, she had to say it again. She only said it like three freaking times. Uh, do, 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 do. And now I got to wait. Let's see. Let's turn on the phone so I can hear when the bell rings. And y'all can sit here and listen with me. Um, it doesn't matter. Dark docks me like, yeah. <laughs> six months ago he was like i got your address in like 45 seconds thanks darn he didn't do it online though so don't think like he doxed me doxed me i don't want to put that out there i dox myself all the time y'all know my name and you know i'm from hoboken it wouldn't be that difficult i dare you show up but anyway um rabbit said, i don't even remember what the hell i was talking about rabbit said there's no magic pill just an anal- analgesic 
uh, fluids, breathing treatments, bed rest. Oh, I hope they gave you a nebulizer, either at home or in the hospital on an IV. Girl, well, can you just make sure to keep us posted because we love you and we worry. Uh, Darth Hideous said, especially after the the War II thing. Yeah, the World War II thing. Yeah. Atlantic City is the only city in New Jersey that exists. Changed my mind. Atlantic City is not a city. It's a cesspool. God, do you even know about the crime in Atlantic City? How gross it is? Every block has like pawn shops. Just pawn shop after pawn shop after pawn shop. And bail bondsmen. That's it. Pawn shops and bail bondsmen. Nothing else. That's it. You, you don't live in Atlantic City. You play in Atlantic City and you keep it to the boardwalk. Like you stay on your bus or you stay in your car until you're in the underground garage. And then you go to the casino. You don't wander around Atlantic City unless you want to take your life in your hands. It's terrible. Um, I'll post nerd. Well, if you're part of the Southern culture, you're thought of as a racist why would okay if people keep repeating that bullshit you're always going to be thought of as racist because you're putting it out there i've never thought of southerners as racist never i've thought of southerners as charming really really good cooks i've thought of them as friendly as fun i never thought of them as racist people in general can be racist or not i think it's stupid so to put that out there, you're the one labeling Southern culture as racist. You're taking on that little moniker. Why would you do that? Do I go around saying, oh, I'm Italian. So, you know, everybody thinks that Italians are mafiosos. No, not if I don't want to. Oh. Yay. Impressive. There we go, lady. Thank you. Kate, come here, kitty. You want a treat? Where's Boo? She's like, call the cats by you so they don't go out in the, in the hallway. I hate to tell you, these cats are not going in the hallway. They know where the food is. She worries about everything. Um, no, but I, I really believe that. I don't think that you should put that out there. I always talk about Italians in the mafia because everybody relates them to one another because it's funny because I want to own it. You're not really owning it. I make fun of it. Did you see my membership tears? I mean, it has to do with like all like mafia, like the, the bosses, the family, the crew, you know, like that's just how it is. But I do it tongue in cheek. Nobody looks at me and thinks, oh, she's Italian. She's definitely mobbed up. The thought might cross their mind, but it's not going to be like, they're not going to label me a mafioso. And if they do, fuck them. Like, I care. Um, Tartidius, Alaska has the superior American culture, then Texas. Then if you go down to the bottom of the list, it's like Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey at 48.49 for the worst culture. First of all, New Jersey does not have the worst culture, Okay. You got a lot of fantastic things out of New Jersey. You got Kevin, not Kevin, well, not Kevin Hart. Who was it? Shaquille O'Neal. You got Shaquille O'Neal. You got Eddie Murphy. You got Whitney Houston. You have, um, oh, dear God, Frank Sinatra. 
What else comes out of New Jersey? Malamars. Can you stop making noise over there? Thanks. Um, a lot of really good things come out of New Jersey. The culture happens to produce a lot of wonderful things, including me. Uh, Wolf Kinder. Hey, Shelly. Hi, honey. Uh, hi, Dorothy. Um, of course, I forgot Ohio. My bad. How dare you? And it's funny because that comedian Matt Reif that I talked about, that's super offensive to people. He's from Ohio. Um, and he talks about it and he's just like, y'all need more black friends and da 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 because y'all are too easily offended. Like, if you had more black friends, <laughs> you wouldn't be that offended. Because he talks about, like, you know, just how they crack on one another. They find the humor in it. And, I mean, my friends are like that. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with color. Nothing. We grew up together. You know, we grew up cracking on one another. Uh, Jacob Pete's just some good old boys. Never meaning no harm. Yeah, I love that freaking song. Oh, my God. Waylon Jennings. Oh. And I've always been a fan of country music. So, I mean, I really was born in the wrong decade in the wrong part of the freaking country. Because I so just so much of me just does not jive with what goes on now and here. Uh, Darth Hideous, I missed the time when you could not relate to television because TV wasn't supposed to be relatable. But see, it was relatable. Archie Bunker was relatable. You knew people like that. Maybe you weren't like that, but you knew people like that. And it was entertaining. It was funny. So it, it exposed you to like different types of people and different cultures and different whatever, different traditions and you know religious belief systems, stuff like that. But it didn't beat you over the head with it. It didn't make you stand up and say, oh, well, you need to support it. No, I don't need to support shit. I know about you. Good luck. Good for you. I'm going to do my thing. You do yours. Like, that's what that came down to. Uh, Inumers, I don't miss that. I spent early childhood wondering why we weren't normal like the Bradys. First of all, yeah, I... The Brady Bunch, Jesus. The Brady Bunch was the very first, I like to say, they were the very first what looks like a completely medicated family. Like they were just... <laughs> every one of them looked like they were on Xanax. Like everyone. They were just la 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 la. Maybe it was the weed of the 70s. I don't know. But like they had Alice... Nobody ever said anything about Alice having to live off the kitchen and having to get up at all hours of the night and whatever in case, you know, oh, and being involved in all the kids' things. Like, she was involved in everything. And it was just like, all right. like. But then Mrs. Garrett had a room off the, off the kitchen when she was on different strokes. So, like, that was just, like, they had servants' quarters. You know, back when being a servant was a legitimate job and not an insult. Oh, don't call me your servant, but you are. Like, I literally pay you to serve me. That, by definition, makes you a servant. Servant. Would you like me to put, like, a new accent on it? Because I could do that. But that was the thing. Like, people knew they were jobs, and they were happy to have those jobs. 
They were happy to have families to take care of because that's what they were good at. It's what they enjoyed. Do you think Mrs. Garrett was like, oh, I got to go deal with these fucking people again? God, these like, these little kids. And oh, look, now he's got more kids. Oh, he brought black kids. And no, she was happy about it. The character was happy. They were trying to show you that people can be all underneath one roof and just be people. Didn't matter their height, their weight, their color, their religious you know, background, their belief system. It didn't matter. The daughter was a free spirit, you know, like the, um, what you call it? The, what the hell was his name? Willis. He was athletic and a little brainy. You know, Gary Coleman, he was teeny tiny and like a smart ass and whatever. Mr. Drummond, God only knows what he did, but you know it was something like high powered or whatever because he was rich as fuck. And Mrs. Garrett was like, you know, oh, hello, just always happy. Hi, how are you? And da, 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 like, oh, oh, I'll make you this and sit down and have a snack and da, da, let's do your homework. Like she was very like motherly and matronly and, you know, all right. They had to make her look like, you know, like your typical little like house grandmother. Like that's what she reminded me of. She reminded me of everybody's grandmother that I ever knew. Ever. We didn't have skinny grandmothers. Like, that didn't happen. <laughs> if you could put your arms around your grandmother, something was wrong in your family. Like, no, because then she was not a good cook, let me tell you. <laughs> like, it just wasn't a thing. Uh, and I, I love that growing up. I love seeing that on the screen that we didn't call it diversity. It was just everybody just being human. People became people in my eyes. They didn't become, oh, this person has that label and that label and that label. And Did other people use them? Yeah, to me, they were just people. They were family. I enjoyed seeing them act as a family, act as friends, genuine friends. There was no fakeness. There was no agenda that they were pushing. They were just saying, hey, look, shit happens. Sometimes this Sometimes this is the family you wind up with. Sometimes that's a family you wind up with. Sometimes you grow up around here. And it's all okay because we're all going to, you know, we're going to learn and we're going to grow and move forward together. And we're, what are we moving toward? Happiness. That's what we all wanted. We wanted happiness, security, love. It wasn't about status it wasn't about look at me look at me it wasn't about taking the perfect picture it wasn't about you know oh your teeth have to be perfect and white or you're just oh god you're this and you're that like it it wasn't about what you looked like it was about who you were it was about your character not about your characteristics when it came to appearance it wasn't about, you know, your background. It was about who you were now, how you were, how big is your heart, how, you know, intelligent are you, how funny are you, how accepting are you, and how mean are you? Because you always had all those different types of people. We didn't classify people with different mental disorders. We just, you know, you had the crazy kid, the slow kid, and you had the kid who couldn't sit to fuck still. Like, that's what you had. There was no special needs. 
it was okay. Oh, you you didn't get through this year? Like you still can't do what everybody else can do? Well, then you just repeat the year. Did the kid get upset? Yeah. Did they get over it? Yep. Didn't have choice. Because nobody cared about your fifis. Oh, he doesn't know how to do this. He's got so much anxiety. Nobody cared. Do your work. I couldn't opt out of homework for me. I had homework every night till bedtime from the moment I got home from school. A little of that was grandma being very like anal about the whole goddamn studying thing. But you gotta be number one. I still remember my my teacher's face when I was like, I, I can't not get a hundred. Like I broke down because I got a 97 on a test. And it that was like no, it wasn't nice. I think it was like a 93, because it wasn't an A plus, it was an A. And I broke down. And she was like, What is wrong with you? I was like, my grandma's going to lock me in the basement because my grandmother always said, if you don't get 100 on everything, I'm going to put you in the basement. And our basement was a crawl space full of like canned tomatoes, um, cans of tomato sauce, um, the Roto-Rooter like sewer access and mice. Like That was was it because it was dank and it was dark and there was no entrance from the house. You could only enter from the backyard. And it was almost like a storm cellar because it had like the two, the slanted two double doors in the ground. And it was always a trial because you had to unlock it and whatever. And that's why nobody could ever like, my grandfather was smart about it. They were metal. And the only windows that you could use to get inside my house were above it. So to stand on it, you could not stand on these doors without them making a fuck ton of noise. And it was a very distinct noise. So you always knew if somebody was on those doors. Unfortunately, my cat figured that out too. And she used to jump on the doors just to scare the shit out of us throughout the day. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I digress. But yeah, like the Brady's, they were they were abnormal. Partridge family, that was abnormal. But and I love the Partridge family. I did. Good God, who didn't love Cassidy? Jesus. And then Susan Day, she was hot. All that. Um, Alpo's nerd, Daisy, was one of my first crushes. Yeah, mine too. My first girl crushes were, it goes in order. Um, Princess Leia. Uh, Sandy from Greece. Then... Um, I'd have to say Daisy slash, um, oh God, what was her name? What was her name? Jesus. I just had it. It's gone. Nope. That's gone. Um, but I mean, it, those were my first girl crushes, but they were hot and they were natural women. They weren't injected anywhere. They weren't like on super fad diets. They weren't like pushed into like skimpy, like revealing the well, Daisy with those shorts, but still like when she had that red bikini with the Daisy Dukes, when she had like the, you know, like the bikini top with the Daisy Dukes and the heels, Lord, um, I never understood why she wore heels and not boots. Because, you know, she had that Jeep 
with the roll bar, you would think jumping in and out would be easier in boots, but whatever. Inumers. Now, when the Osbournes came out, I went, oh, maybe we are normal. <laughs> Dart said, uh, LOL, the Bradys were fantastical. They were ridiculous. That was the most, like, whoever wrote that was, like, on such a weed trip because nobody gets along like that. Nobody. Uh, Leave it to Beaver and Ozzy and Harriet show were about family life. And then there were Westerns. I remember like watching the reruns and everything. Leave it to Beaver, Ozzy and Harriet, um, Donna Reed. Uh, You had the Patty Duke show. And all those very wholesome. They were all very wholesome and all about family. And that was the foundation for me. And then the cultural like thing came into it. So, I mean, like I watched all of those things. And so I got a good mix of values and morals and family and, you know, how to deal with like differences and how to deal with problems that come up. TV was very entertaining, but it was also very educational. Uh, I apologize if you all hear a lot of noise in the background because my kids are putting groceries away. Uh, Darth Hideous, they weren't realistic, which is what made the show funny. I mean, yeah, they were so over the top. Look at Gilligan's Island. Jesus, like that was going to happen? I mean, now, maybe. I'll post nerd mute. I'll be quiet. Uh, At Jacob Pizza. At Darth, you are mistaken, sir. Florida is the superior American culture. Beaches, babes, boobs, firearms, and freedom. Can't get any better than that. Except that it's Florida. Y'all country. (laughs) I wouldn't mind Florida, except right now you're housing my daughter's piece of shit father and my, you know, murderous best friend who's doing life without parole for murdering his girlfriend. So, yeah. No, I got a little chip on my shoulder when it comes to Florida. Plus, your weather does nothing for my hair. Nothing at all. Good God. Looking like Orphan Annie on crack. Like I just licked the friggin' electrical socket. No, no, no. Um, You got it. No, we didn't. Whatever. Uh, Darth Hideous at Jacob Pete's. Too many old people. Way, way, way. Too fucking many old people. <laughs> yeah, but not for long. Uh, I did not dox. I just said that. I said, <laughs> that's what I said. I said, I don't want to put that out there. He didn't dox me, dox me. He doxed me to my face, like on the phone or whatever, like in DMs. He was like, I found you. Here you go. Like I was like, oh, you bastard. But yeah, no, he never posted that shit. And like, like I said, I don't give a fuck. My address is out there. I don't, I don't really care. Nobody's coming to visit me. Why? So they could like, you know, sit here and talk to me for a while. All right, fine. T-Rex is always like, I'm going to come through and I'm going to visit. Mm-hmm, sure. Good luck getting your truck through Hoboken. Uh, with all the double parking and everything. Yeah, not going to happen. Uh, Outpost nerd, you're thinking of South Florida, Darth. No, there were tons of people in like Newport, Richie and all that. 
It's Thank you, Katie. My children, mainly my daughter, just does not know how to go away when I'm live. I just don't get it. She sees me sit here talking to you guys, and she just insists. I'm just like, here, 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 go away. Um, I don't ask for much. I only do this three, four times a week, and she just can't leave me alone. Ah, deep breath, Michelle. Deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Okay. Uh, outpost, oh Lord, Daisy, Daisy, oh Daisy, dude. I was because I told you I'm all only I'm looking for Daisy. Where is Daisy, girl? Uh, got his pub. I dox myself too. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, Inumers, I love that show, but I didn't understand that. I was from a small town where everybody seemed Brady perfect. Oh, like Stepford, like. <laughs> That's the thing. Everybody like used to seem perfect from the outside. Then as soon as you went in that house and saw them around dinner time, you got the real skinny on what that family was about because everybody's dinner time was the same. It was chaotic and people talked out of place and like you just you'd sit there and like you'd have the old person table going and just like bitching nonstop. I tell people if you ever want to know what, what it was like growing up in my house, just think of the kitchen scenes from moonstruck because that was my that was my life 24 7 it was all you know oh go get the because the daughter always had to go get the door somebody always had to go get the door it was always me and somebody ring the bell go get the door let them in because never unlocked and it was just you know oh look at you you got a love bite on your neck your life's going down the toilet that was my grandmother I would walk in, like, I'd come home at one o'clock in the morning and I'd sneak in, you know, and this was before I even, like, had a kid. So I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I sneak in. I'm like, all right, she didn't hear me. The dog's not running around. I'd want something to drink. I'd open the refrigerator and I'd hear, you have her? Who's a big son of a bitch? She's awake. Oh, God damn it. I'm like, I wasn't doing anything. We were just hanging out and talking. Oh, the whole neighborhood saw you come home. Now the whole neighborhood's sleeping like you should be. Go to bed. I go to bed. I waited up. I don't know why you waited up for me. I come home the same time every night and every night I'm in one piece. Like I can take care of myself. Go away. It, oh, God. But I mean, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, and that's Moonstruck was just my life, you know, and you just sit there going, because oh. nobody understands what they get. The one that only speaks Italian, one that speaks like Italian English, one who only speaks English, one who wants to be independent, one who doesn't want to like be traditional, one who's super traditional, one who's 30 years old, look like she's 60, dresses like she's 90. I mean, I didn't know what fashion was because my grandmother made my clothes. She did. She used to go get her little patterns and she'd get her fabric or she'd send me and my mother to the rag shop because that's where you go, what fabric. And she would make my clothes. She would make like the little, you know, like um, jumpsuits or she would make like a little pinafore thing or, you know, she would, she would make my jeans. Do you know what it's like to be eight, nine, 10 years old wearing homemade jeans? You're not popular. I can tell you that. 
I knew it. My mother knew it, but there was no telling grandma because, oh no, we make everything in this house. Really? <laughs> you know, so once I hit like teenage years, I was like, don't hit them all. Peace. Sorry about that. I know I hit the hit the thing. Um, Jacob Peets. Uh, you brother, North Florida is pretty sparsely populated, especially out west toward my other Floridians in chat. I don't know. Everybody old that I knew of moved to like Port Ritchie, Newport Ritchie, like that area. And I know that's somewhere near Clearwater. But all the dead the deadbeats I know moved to Clearwater. And then like the, you know, party boys who never wanted to grow up, the Peter Pans grew, they went and moved to Daytona Beach. So like I, and then I have like all the, the you know, the druggies that moved down to Miami because they're degenerate. But that like that's what i know of florida and you know what you can keep it i love you guys but you can keep your state i don't want to be there darthidius at outpost nerd i lived in dunnelin for like i don't know if i said that right i don't care for like two years um socala was my closest city but i ventured to gainesville and tampa a lot um and that's not South Florida, but still <laughs> still full of way too many old people. Like I said, Dart, it's not like they're there for long. And just think about it, because of them, you could get like a $5 buffet with like really good food any time of day. So, I mean, really, like the price is much better for you. Uh in your MERS, you can go 30 minutes west of me and you would swear you were in Texas farmland. I believe it. I believe it because I know where you're at. Um, Darth Hideous, Southerners are way, way more polite than people from north of Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are. But they also are a lot more no-nonsense. Like, up here, we, you know, we're fight and we're like oh come on put up your hands you go down south all you hear is it's like that's the end of the conversation <laughs> you won i'm going it's fine uh outpost nerd pointing out a stereotype isn't supporting it i'm not arguing with you nerd uh darth hideous I met more cool black people just outside of Atlanta than I have in Michigan, and I've lived here for 35 out of 39 years. Well, yeah, well, that's because they, you know, they ain't hungry down there. They know how to eat. <laughs> they know how to have fun. Uh, Wolf Kinder, they got good music, good food, good people. What else is there in life to make you happy? I mean, if anything, that would make me fight harder to make the world better so I can keep what I got. I'm not giving anything up. I want to work, you know, and fight to keep what I have. To keep, like, my happiness the way it is. If I live a life that makes me happy, then good. Let me live that life. But if you're not happy and you're not making other people happy or whatever, maybe... A little introspection. Uh, Wolfkinder, half my college friends were from Jersey. Yeah, buddy. Uh, welcome back from a frat party. One of them made up words to California Dreaming called Pennsylvania Drivers. <laughs> it's a joke to this day. Oh, come on. I told you about the um, the chick with the that went out the window. 
Didn't I? I think I did. I think I told you that the other day, or maybe I told this one. I don't know. I have holes in my memory so bad this week. I don't know what that migraine did to me over the weekend. But, y'all, my memory is shot. Like, I literally will say something and be like, I didn't say that. I just said it. I didn't, mm -mm. Either I can't remember it or it feels like the memory is like a month old. And I can't place it. So, like, my time is all... It's so weird and it's so dis disorienting. It made me cry the other night. Poor winning. He was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You just have another hole. It's okay. We found another hole. I was like, ah, phrasing. <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> but, you know, it's it upset me. Uh, and I was in Atlanta for like three days. Is that racism? Now the cats are going to start jumping around. I really, I can't with these freaking people. Like, can I just be by myself for a little bit? I want to put my, I, that's the thing. I don't have a door. Everybody gets to go. I have no privacy. Everybody gets to go through my living room, go back and forth, back and forth. And so nothing I do is private. I want to be in a room where I can lock the door and tell everybody to go fuck themselves for just a couple hours. Be great. Uh, is that a racism? I don't know. Kevin James? What's Kevin James? Is Who is Kevin James? Why do I think that's the fat dude from the um Leia Riemi or whatever the fuck her name is. What was he, King of the Hill or something like that? I forget. Okay, I'll give you Sinatra. Okay. Like, Sinatra was soulful. You're not going to give me Shaquille O'Neal, though? Because, I mean, come on. Eddie Murphy? You're really not going to give me Eddie Murphy. You're going to say Eddie Murphy was not, like, one of the funniest fuckers out there. Whitney Houston? She was a crackhead, but she could sing her ass off. Act me. I mean, granted, this isn't Tennessee. I don't have, like, Dolly Parton. God, I would love to be able to claim that one. Uh, none of the rest of that was good culture. I beg to differ. The Sopranos. Hello? Who doesn't love The Sopranos? And believe me, accurate. It's accurate. Like, that's how they live. Um, and that's how we all kind of live. We all knew, we all grew up knowing that. I grew up with my window above a bocce ball court connected to the Italian club. They didn't call it a gentleman's club. That was the Italian club. Oh, it's the Italian club. They didn't even call it a social club. We all knew what it was. It's still there. <laughs> it's the only thing in that neighborhood that didn't change. And everybody's still there. But they played bocce ball at all hours. Cops never came. Neighbors never complained. I bitched and moaned. It was under my bedroom window. But they also knew me. So it was just like, could you shut the fuck up? They just stop and like look up. <laughs> Hi, guys. I really need to sleep. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, look at the time. Yeah, and then they'd bitch about me as they walked out the door. But they were never nasty about it. They just, you know, they shut it down because I needed to sleep. But yeah, very much like The Sopranos. Like, it's that... That, I would believe... Of course, there's some dramatization, some hyperbole. But most of it is accurate as fuck. Uh, in your I enjoy all humor. If it's a racist joke, 
who gives a fuck? The, the W threw me off, girl. See, mm, I just had my first sip of coffee. I also enjoy um, grapey smack your your bitch jokes. Yeah, and I've been there. Funny is funny. Now, real racism, real racism is the gay. Yes, it is. Look, see, winning said the soprano. See, mm. that was a half an hour. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't go. I don't go ahead and chat. I'm not going to the end. I literally stop it and I go, you know, as as I feel like it. Jacob said. Um, so yeah, winning said the soprano. So yes, that that's actually very good culture coming out of New Jersey because it's accurate. Uh, Jacob Pete's Rife's apology was 24k pure fucking gold. Okay, for anybody who doesn't know, he put his apology on Twitter, <laughs> and he had a little tab that said tap, you know, tap to deal with your issues or something like that. And when you tap it, it opens up on the <laughs> special needs helmet sales. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh shit. Like he's called everybody retarded, but all right, whatever it was. It was fantastic. I love him. I do. He is unapologetic. And that was what I loved about Don Rickles. Don Rickles said what the fuck you want. The most genuine warm guy. Everybody said that, but his comedy was you know like really just biting it was biting harsh humor and it was phenomenal and that's what this kid does he does the irreverence and i love it i'm there i'm there for it i'm here all day for it goddess pub you need to be in the pacific northwest you'd fit right in oh i don't know how to take that <laughs> especially now maybe a couple of years ago but now eh, i don't know I hear too many stories. I would like the um, the rain, though. I would love to live in a just rainy area. I love rain. I just go do all sorts of things in the rain. You know, you know what, what I mean. Uh, Outpost nerd, how could they afford Alice? Because she probably didn't work for much because they paid room and board. Like they provided her with food. They provided her with a place to live. She probably had like a clothing allowance. So, and it was a fucking show. They're, that's how they afforded her. Darth Hideous, Jeffrey was the best character in Fresh Prince. Oh, yeah, he got away with murder. Oh, my God. He saw everything. He said everything that was on his mind. And they'd just be like gobsmacked. They'd be like, how dare you? It was hilarious. Uh, changed my mind. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Lady Awesome said, I met Florence Henderson. Did you really? Oh, that's cool. Who was she married to? I can't remember who she was married to. But who was the mother of David Cassie? She married his father. Was it, um, what the hell was her name from the Partridge family? I know that wasn't Florence Henderson. That was the other one. Ah, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, Dartadius, because I assert that I am right. Uh, Nerd said, why change your mind when you're right, Dart? He said, because I assert that I'm right. Yeah, no, we both know I am, but I'm open to argument. You're always open to argument. 
winning said Alice was indentured. They never brought it up. <laughs> and if you'd like to learn about indentured servitude, tune into yesterday's uh, unveiling reality. About no, not yesterday was repairing history. He's got so many damn shows. Give me a break. It was repairing history together about white slavery and the history of slavery. And you could learn about indentured servitude. The actual facts, not the bullshit story that they tell you. Um, Gutters Pub. Well, back then, nobody thought that they were nobody thought they were guys when they were girls. That's very true. They just looked like it. Like we thought that long hair made like they made fun of them all the time. They did. They made fun of dudes that had long hair all the time. Be like, I don't know if you're a guy or a girl. Like, obviously, I'm a guy. Like guys were offended when they got like you know mistaken for girls, as it should be. But you know, like long hair. I love long hair. So that's just me though. Although when I married my husband, he had really long hair and he looked like the Silence of the Lambs killer. And I could not sleep next to that. Because I just, I kept hearing, like, it puts the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose. Like, no, 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 no. And when he was like, we should adopt a dog. I was like, no, no, no. He was like, I like little dog. No, we're getting a German Shepherd. Fuck that. And that's exactly what I did. I had a German Shepherd who loved me. I fed it. I gave it the pig's ears. And if he so much as like looked at me crooked, Jack was like, Grr. like he was ready. <laughs> it was like, uh, my dog. Um, but fixed. So thank God. Cause we didn't have any of that. Like, nope. I believe in spay and neuter. Uh, Darth Hideous winning Alex Jones reality with the interesting theory. He always has interesting theories. You should go to his streams more and, you know, figure them out. Uh, to, tonight there's no stream, but I'll, I'll shill his thing. I'll shill him now. Tomorrow night on winning reality, um, he will be doing winning Saturday night. And it's going to be songs for you. And he's got a brand new thing that he's doing. It's a new toy he's discovered. I love it. Um, he'll have guests on. He'll do the good news. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And he's going to do songs about you. And he's going to be playing songs that I guess he made for other people. I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing. And he'll be creating songs on the spot. So you get to be a part of that. So really, like, show up 9 o'clock. Saturday night. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a nice little panel, a couple people. And we're just, it's just going to be so chill and so fun. So come hang out. And then Sunday in the afternoon, we are moving Sunday um, old school watch party from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Because as Winning said, he has something that he has to do that night. If you think that something involves the Eagles, you'd be right. So... We need to do the show. <laughs> I blow up his spot all the time. I don't care. Um, we need to do the show at five o'clock. So we'll be doing um watch party with me and winning together. And we will be doing wait, I wrote it down. I wrote it down because I didn't want him to yell at me. Uh <laughs> uh The Century of the Self is the documentary, and then we'll be watching the Griswolds and their Christmas vacation. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's what we're going to be watching afterwards. 
remember we start out on YouTube and we quickly move over to Rumble because, you know, YouTube, you're wonderful, cucks. I'm sorry I coughed. What I, I said something wrong, but anyway, because you're but anyway. Uh yeah. Darth Hideous. Uh oh wait. I lost my place. Outpost nerd. Mr. Drummond was a big international businessman. Sure he was. I'm sure oil had something to do with it. Uh Darth Hideous. Well, in defense of my Alma, she was German. And in defense of my grandmother, she was a raging alcoholic and a drug addict. Oh, that's always nice. Got his problem. My grandma was four foot nine by four foot nine. <laughs> I called her my four by four. <laughs> that's amazing, and I'm stealing it. Oh my god, that's going into my next story. Um, yeah, that's fucking phenomenal. I love it. Uh, thank you, Gutter. I, that's, mm. Wolfie, oh my God, making me think of all the shows that have a live-in maid or childcare, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, how many of them just called to the, oh, Alice, could you go and take the kids and make them whatever? And didn't matter what she was doing. No, bitch, I'm in the middle of, like, cleaning everything and making your dinner. Now I got to give them a snack. God damn it. You want me to, like, sew their clothes by hand, too? Yeah, could you? Sure. Sure, Mrs. Brady. Whatever you say, Mrs. Brady. I'm going to always be dating Sam the Butcher so I get discounts on your meat. I know, to me, that's a little shady. Sure. Uh, Unless you, unless you're from West Virginia, then keeping it in the family means something totally different. Don't forget Alabama, Sean. Yeah, well, don't forget Arkansas. It happens there too. Uh, <laughs> listen, I can't say nothing. Connor has a grandpa, uncle. Okay, grandpa by marriage, uncle by blood. We're not getting into that today. That's a stream for another day. In your mirrors, I'm not that grandma. I'm a short little bull. Aw. No, she said, I'm that grandma. I'm a short little bull. You're too cute. I love you. Uh, Goddess Pub, Dartidius, Alabama shall not be forgotten. Arkansas shall not be forgotten. Um, in your mirrors, Alabama, where your sister is your cousin and your uncle is your stepdad. Mm-hmm. And your dog is your date on Saturday night. Oh, no, wait, that's Utah. And that's very specific. But anyway, in your birds, they can throw a hell of a party or barbecue, though. Yep. Darth Hideous. That's not a basement. That's a pantry and a gross one at that. No, it was separate from the house. It it was literally only supposed to be to raise the house up because Hoboken floods. So there's like grates in the front of the, the house that allow the water to instead of come up into the house to go down through and into the sewer that's right underneath it. He had a sewer grate like literally built into the ground that traveled the whole front of the house so that we didn't flood. Except when the Roto-Rooter guy used to come and forget to put the cat back on the sewer, man, we'd flood with sewage water. And guess who got to clean that out? Me. Because I was the only one who could go down there and not break her back. Because I was the shortest. Uh, in Yamura's, I don't know, his mom was a bartender groupie back in the day. Nice. 
Uh, Jacob Pete's. I'm currently mad at Alabama. At Dar- and I'm not even an FSU fan, but the fu- they fucked over the Florida team, no less. Well, no worries, Jacobs. I have full faith. And yeah, I taught my son to say roll tide when he was two to three, and I almost got invicted. Oh, Lord. The Brady's had no toilets. That's not true. They had the... Were there toilets? I know they had a bathroom that went from the boys' girl to the from the boys' room to the girls' room, which I always thought was really odd. Like if you have three boys on one side and three girls on the other, shouldn't they have separate bathrooms? I think they started with like the walk-through bathroom and then they switched it to having their own bathrooms. I can't remember. There's something weird about the bathroom though. Uh, winning rally. Come on, be happy. A whole lot of loving is what you'll be singing. Come on, get happy. Come on, get happy. The Partridge family was fun. I did want that bus. I really did. Jacob Peeves, I hope so. They didn't earn that spot. And Yamers, why does the stream and chat keep locking and coming back up real quickly? So weird. Go away, Feds. That's because I mentioned lists and Darth is here and winning is here and I'm here. So <laughs> we're on lists. <laughs> um, winning the kids shared a walkthrough bathroom nerd. Yep. That's what I thought. See, I'm still behind. How far? I'm still a half hour behind. God damn it. All right. Uh, I'm still back in Michigan. I'm going to roll through these, but it was just a sink and mirror winning. Uh, da, da, they disappointed me really bad last year with TCU. How many shows actually show the toilet? Uh, depends on if they were thrown up or not. Three's Company showed the toilet. Remember Three's Company? Come and knock on our door. We'll be waiting for you. Uh, they do a. They do show a toilet for the first time in Star Wars history and Andor. Oh, if only I'd have watched it. Uh, do you think? I'm nerd enough to know that. Yes. Judge Hideous, man, I saw prison toilets on Prison Break and Sons of Anarchy. Oh, they were prison in Oz on HBO. That movie showed everything. Toilets was the least of it. Uh, Outpost nerd, like that's Florida's fault. Your friend fucked up. Not that state. What? Shut up, nerd. Uh, <laughs> You know, you need not hold people's like sins against them. Okay, I wouldn't go there. So don't don't be bashing my friend. Anyway, I'll bash your state all I want. You know, the place where the cowboys weren't. They didn't go there first. They went to Texas first. Anyway, Darth Hideous. Never mind. I can't pay attention. Okay. Uh, Jacob Pizza Ed Shell never said it had to be for you. Just saying we're the best. That's a prideful bunch down here. That's fine. You could think you're the best. You'd be wrong, but you'd think you're the best. I think New Jersey's the best. I know I'm wrong, but it's, that doesn't mean I'm not going to stand up for it. Well, today sit down for it because my, uh, my legs hurt. In your MERS, the Tanners showed a toilet. Yeah, but that's like the 80s, right? Was that 80s or 90s? Like the early, early things. I don't think they built them into the sets. Unless they use like a real house, I don't think they bothered to build them. I mean, that's money. Uh, if I came and visited, I'd bring weed. Woo-hoo. The Bundys for sure did. Oh, yeah. 
Shit, I got to do a show in 45 minutes. <laughs> you got to do a show in 20 minutes now. Uh, have a good show, Dart. Have a good one. Enjoy. Uh, I just want this damn series to be over so I can be done. Start covering them two at a time. Uh, take a break and start a new thing and alternate when you need to. And you said, don't get me wrong. It's still important to me to finish the damn thing. Yes, but I'm not having much fun with it anymore. Well, maybe because you're taking it so serious. Like, put a little bit more fun into it. Put a little more dark into it. Uh, Sup, Castro? Never mind, just bitching. The old people just migrating to Florida. They're always there. Oh, shit. Missed your cheersies. Happy 420. Happy 420. That long passed. There's another hole if you look hard enough. There's always another hole if you look hard enough. Yes, but we're talking about the holes in my memory. And it, that's why I was like phrasing because it just mm -mm. King of Queens. Ah, King. I think King of the Hill, King of Queens. Whatever. I knew it was King something. Ah, uh, yeah. He he's a little fruity. I think he is a King of Queens. Lady Awesome. Yeah, Kevin James is from the show King of Queens. I am so far behind. I don't think Eddie Murphy is funny. Yeah, Eddie Murphy was funny. Freddie Mercury, Queen of Queen. Yep. Ah, uh, I agree. I loved him though. You made my phone look up. <laughs> Eddie Murphy Raw was lit. I love Delirious. Delirious was fantastic. And Raw was just as good. But Delirious was like my first um, encounter with Eddie Murphy outside of Saturday Night Live. Like, I didn't know his stand-up at all. And... We watched that and I was just dying. I thought the Sopranos were presented as New Yorkers. No, they're North Jersey. They're like 25 minutes outside um, Hoboken. I never really watched the show because I didn't care for it. Is that wrong? No. At Darth Hideous, gotta watch his Delirious special. You may be too young. That was like the mid 80s. He sold out. It was amazing. Delirious was hilarious. Uh, I was at Darth Hideous. I was born in the mid eighties. I was born in the mid eighties. Love. I might be too young for that. Yeah. But you know what? There's such a thing as streaming. Like, look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's funny. I used to have it on cassette tape. Okay. So like, I knew the routine. I didn't buy the cassette tape. Somebody gave it to me or we found it in a car that we bought or something. But I was like, oh, I'll take it. My phone's like, yeah, all right, God. He didn't know it was on it. <laughs> I listened to that. I was like, oh, I'm like 11 years old. Just like, are you kidding? Like, oh, my God. Like, I couldn't get over it. But yeah, so that was, that was what was funny because that was a whole revelation to me. <laughs> Castro said, um, oh, wait, Lady Lady Awesome said, yeah, go back and check it out. That was before he sold out. Yeah, before he started talking like an animal. Oh, it's talking to animals and freaking Dr. Doolittle. And, although I still like Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. I still like that. Uh, Jacob Castro, I was the oldest child, so I enjoyed everything about 10 years older than I normally would. <laughs> um, those are stories. Yeah. All of them. Uh, Tacoma, I'm missing chatters. Maybe I'm blocked. No, it's just I'm very far behind. Uh, Shirley Jones, there you go. Shirley Jones was married to Jack Cassidy. Yes. 
The Cassidy brothers. Oh, Shelly Jones was his stepmother. Yep. Gutter, gotta go. Have a great day. Thanks for letting me hang out. You're always welcome. Thank you for coming by, even though you're long gone by now. Although I'm only 10 minutes behind. Hey, yay, I'm catching up. Uh, my chat doesn't even go back that far. <laughs> Gutter's pub, you can have it. Four by four grandmas are the best. My grandma had all her little rolls. And you know what's funny? She was always like, I'm so hot. I was like, because she was always warm. Oh, it's so hot in here. It's so hot in here. I'd be like, you have on a long line bra that goes down to your waist. You have on underwear, a girdle, a slip, stockings with the garter belt. Because, of course, like the the girdle had the garters because she never wore pantyhose. You put on these damn things. Then you have the compression hose underneath the freaking like stockings. You have then the, the full slip because God forbid. So it's like you couldn't pre like you couldn't push a freaking x-ray laser through the amount of clothes she had on. Of course you're hot. What the hell? And like her bathing suit was no better. It was like she'd come out. And I'm like, how far down does that bathing suit go? Like it's to your knees. Well, no, because it's covering. Like it's almost up to your neck. It's down to your knees. It's got like cap sleeves. What is wrong with you? Like, of course you're still hot. Get in the friggin' water. And then I used to watch her struggle to get in the water because the friggin' bathing suit was down to her knees. Like, how are you supposed to climb a ladder? So I just laugh and I push her. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was a good kid, but <laughs> the day she face planted in the lagoon because she had one foot on the the boat, <laughs> one foot on the dock, <laughs> and somebody released the the moorings. Oh my god, dead. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. She <laughs> is slowly just clinging to the post at the on the deck. <laughs> It was hilarious just watching her slowly slide and do a split. He was like, Kate, God damn it, just fall! <laughs> no! <laughs> oh my God. No. Oh. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> anyway. Ah. Have a great rest of your day, Gutters Pub. That's from Lady Awesome. Uh, and from the rest of us, thank you for being here. You're always welcome. Uh, and you said be back later if you're still here. I, I shouldn't be here past 12 o'clock, uh, but we'll see. Uh, Lady Awesome Sky. Da, 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 da. That was at Gutters Pub. She winked because she's flirty like that. Uh, and you Mers. I typed that five minutes ago and I guess just sent it when I came back derp, derp, derp. that's alright because I just read it hi Fonz hello honey so see now I'm nine minutes behind that's not too bad hi Ellie I'm way behind uh, Lady Awesome said the chat jumps when a chat is held for review when I put it through 
it puts the chat back in order. It was typed, causing the chat to jump. Oh, that sucks. I know. I go through that with, with winnings all the time. Uh, Wolf Kinder, I was trying to think of the fish funeral with the toilet. It was the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, okay, bye. Like, he was the one. He was all serious about it. And she's just like, whatever. Uh, most of Dart's messages are held. Of course they are. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Just to prove them all. Inumers. Oh, I forget about... Um, oh, I forget about that one. I don't have a rent. <laughs> um, lady, awesome. Hey, sweetie, didn't you? And yeah, hey, there started in like the late 80s for certain shows. Maybe not to her. Maybe. And then, oh, hey, Ellie. And hi, Ellie. And we are up to date. Woo! All right. I caught up. That was a nice little thing. So see, Norman Lear was, he was a big influence. His shows were very influential. I mean, they, I think they were amazing. They, and they're still entertaining. Granted, you have to have a sense of humor to watch them and not be a, you know, like soft little spongy frou-frou. But, you know, if your fifis are going to get hurt, then don't fucking watch it. If you want to laugh your ass off and even just look back and go, wow, like <laughs> just wow. <laughs> we are so heavily censored now. You'll see just how like how much they've curtailed our freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Artists used to be able to get away with stuff because it was art. You know, it it was meant to convey different messages to different people. That wasn't just allowed, it was encouraged. Express yourself, speak your truth, you know, live your life. Here, go, do your art, do this. Now they have art, that, they have a Martin Luther King um, statue that looks like him going down on a girl. Like, what the hell? That's what it looks like to me. I looked and I was like, why is his head buried in somebody's like crotch? And they're like, no, it's hugs. The hell it is. It's a crotch hug. Like, what is he like eating clam? Like, I don't get it. And this is what they call art. That was not what we called art. It just wasn't. Granted, we had people like Andy Warhol and stuff like that. That was art. It was a conversation piece. It, hey, T-Rex. It was not an abomination in the middle of a park that you got to walk by and cover your kid's eyes as you're walking past. Like, it's just, it's just not a thing. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, that, that was life as I knew it. Um, what else went on? So I talked about the white slavery on winning's uh, show last night, repairing history together. And he talked about white slavery. And if you want to take a look at that, I'm, I encourage you to do so because it was really informative. Chat should be up on YouTube. So I hate that Rumble takes down the chat. It's so stupid. But because a lot of good points were made over there. But it was a really like very interactive chat last night. And it just a lot of things that nobody knew about. Things that I mean, I I count myself pretty like caught up on like, that kind of history, that area. And still, I was like, wow, really? Okay. Ellie, I was thinking of you with the um, Agenda 2030 because I, I read out that 
Putin is up for re-election. He's running for re-election in in March, which if they said if he was, which the if made me laugh, um, he'll be in power until 2030. I was like, well, isn't that a convenient fucking year? Um, yeah, no, like, what do you mean if he went, who's going to run against him? Tell me. Like, could you explain that part to me? So I was thinking of you when I read that out. And I was like, oh, man, she's not here. I know she's all about, like, the 2023, 2030 agenda. And I mentioned that, you know, um, winning discussed it last week. And he'll be getting into that next week. We were going to do it this week. But we wound up, um, he wound up covering the RNC uh, fourth debate, the Republican debate which was so much fun. Oh my God, we had so much fun. You can check that out too. That was Wednesday's show. Uh, Let's see, what else? Um, Like I said, if anybody sees Daisy Girl, can you please tell her that I am worried and I haven't heard from her in like a week? And that never makes me happy because I never know, you know, she... If if there's something that could go wrong or an accident that could happen or weird people to be met, Daisy's your girl. So I worry. Uh, I want to show you my new avatar. See, like it's one of my new avatars. I winning did that for me. I thought it was very sweet. Um oh, I did want to mention. I did want to mention that. The last show we did was on withdrawal from social circles and society and whatever, and from whatever you enjoy. And I told you I've been very bad about returning text messages from my friends. So I figured they're just, you know, eventually they'd stop and just fuck off and leave me alone. And, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about me anymore. Because I really hate being a burden to anybody. And I know they worry. I know they care. And it's just, it's a lot. I don't want people like upset over me. So I just, I just stopped talking to everybody. And like V has been sending me like text after text. And then she sent me one. She was very intriguing. Like, you know, I need an emoji. I need it now. And Oh my God, you wouldn't believe. Remember how I would, I always need a big pumpkin. And I was just like, I don't, I I can't, like, I can't connect those two topics like it's one sentence that has it nope my brain was like short-circuited it was like no 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 i don't get it so i texted her i was like what the hell are you talking about and so she got me to engage for like a minute and then she just talked to herself in text for like an hour and she was like can i get another emoji knowing that you heard me i was like "Uh uh-huh thumbs up she was like bitch Because she knows if I send the thumbs up, it's pretty much me sending you the middle finger, but it's a thumb. Um, I'm just being polite about it. It's like my polite middle finger. And so th- that was neither here nor there. But she got her answer. She knew I was alive. Whatever. You think she would have told somebody that she talked to me, but no. So my friend Zuma has been calling me, texting me, you know sending me messages in every platform I participate in. And I haven't answered any of them in like a month, you know, basically I was, I was, yeah, I didn't want to, 
I didn't have the energy to engage and I just didn't want to be bothered with um, real life people. I wanted to be left alone. And so yesterday I got the text message that if I did not give her a sign of life, she was calling the police. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, first of all, bitch, no matter how long it takes me to respond, never call the popo. You know that. And she was like, yeah, but it got you to answer me. And I mean, she did. She tricky bitch. But it's, I was like, oh, mm. so I have to re-engage for a little bit. I, I was really good. I talked to her for maybe like 20 minutes. That was a lot. Normally our phone calls used to be like six hours long. Because when you work in education together, there's no end to the amount of bitching you could do about people. And it's, oh, did you hear this? And oh, did you hear that? Did you see they're doing this? And oh, I can't believe they're doing that. I wouldn't do it like that. I'd do it like this. Blah, 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 blah. Can you afford this? Like that was all our phone calls. And it, yeah, we do that like once or twice a week. And I just don't have the energy like that anymore. Like I, I give that energy to somebody, but it's not them. And I just don't have any left after that. And I really don't want to. I like my life right now. And I think they're better off without me um, talking to them much. Because then they're always, you know, do you need anything? And then I say, no, they get upset. I know you need help. Yeah, but I'm not going to ask you for help. Like, what the hell? Like, leave me alone. Stop making me feel like an invalid. That's what that would. That is part of what the problem is. Because they make me feel like, you know, I'm dying and I don't need that kind of energy. They're like, come on, let me help. And it's like, no, you want to help to make yourself feel better. I got to do it myself. Like, you know, I have to do it myself or I feel like less than. And they know that. And they're just, they're, mm. you know, if they'd wrap their heads around that and just be normal, it'd be great, but they're not. So it's just like, all right, you get emojis. Uh, Lady Awesome Sky. I just, I've been messing up your name so bad. You're just Lady Autumn Sky or Lady Awesome. I got to pick one or last. Uh, I've been wanting to mention there was a toilet in the Brady Bunch, the great earring caper. Oh my goodness. See, she remembered. <laughs> Nerd. In your mers. She said, oh. Sup, T Rex from Jacob Pete's. Really fun. I made the mistake the other day of watching Popcorn Planet's video about Harvard and commenting. Y'all foreigners are commenting about our free speech and people are not educated either. No, it's true. It's true. Like, I can't... First of all, I hate commenting on any videos. I, I know I tell people please comment on videos because I love it. I love when they comment on mine and I'll answer them. But boy, you say something in somebody's thing that they don't like, Lord, it is a non-stop influx of bullshit. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? Delete. You're like, forget it. I don't like your video. I don't like your people. I don't like, I don't like the whole vibe over here. Like, I'm leaving. Um, yeah, no, I I used to watch Popcorn Planet a lot, and I just, I don't know, Andy gets to be too much for me. I have to take a break from him for a couple months, then I go back. Uh, I love stuff though. Love stuff. Uh, doo -doo -doo, they lose the earring and a towel in the bathroom. I think I remember that one. I know. I know. I've seen all of them. 
You know, it was funny watching the very first one with the wedding, with the dog and the running around and the cake and the whole thing. That one was hilarious. Lady Awesome at Elephant. I quit watching Andy when he refused to let up church on to defend himself. So that was the end of him. But I watched Steph. Yeah, I'm actually subscribed to Steph and not Andy right now because I don't like all the the whatever. Like he just he he went off on something. He was getting too big for himself. Um, He was getting a little bit too pompous, which was why I had not watched him on the other thing that he did before. Uh, Jacob Casca, she's my official stalker. Who is? I was thinking the same thing about Daisy Girl. Oh, she's your stalker. Yeah, well, where is she? Because she hasn't been around all week. Normally, I look forward to like a, a hello and a goodbye, and a, you know, she comes in with some kind of flirty thing, bounces her boobs, and she's all happy. Um, Ellie, fine. Yeah, I unsubbed yesterday. He insinuated that people shouldn't be allowed to say certain things. That are blatantly supported by the First Amendment. I don't get like. See that whole you shouldn't be allowed to say, you should be allowed to say whatever the hell you want, and you should have consequences for what you said. That's how you deal with the issue of free speech. Everybody has free speech. But what you say has a consequence. It has an effect. And you might have to pony up and pay for it. You're free to say it. And you're free to pay for it. Like, that's, they go hand in hand. I don't understand the whole, oh, you got to limit. Who the fuck are you to tell me that I can't say something? Lady Awesome, at Ellie, yeah, he wants to talk about free speech, but then you shut people down for defending themselves. I can't deal with the bullshit. Yeah, no. I can't with that bullshit. I, I agree completely. <laughs> Ellie said he's a moron. See, I was being nice that um, First Amendment supports his right to gossip on YouTube. Oh, yeah, he'll rely on it. One, two, three. He will step back on it as long as it helps him. But anybody else? Nope. No, nope. he's like, oh, they should be allowed to say those things. Really? Really? I think you should be allowed to say whatever you want, but I think there should be set consequences. Like if you accuse somebody of something and you falsely accuse them, I don't care if you thought it was true or not. Like if you falsely accuse them without doing your research, you should have to pay a price. Not Alex Jones style either. He had, you know, he spoke, maybe he got some stuff wrong and yeah, he should have maybe been smacked on the hand for it or whatever. But he didn't get due process. He didn't get anything. He didn't get a chance to defend himself in court. And they called that's not a miscarriage of justice. That was ridiculous. The, what they did to him in that courtroom, and I'm not a huge fan, but I watched what they did to him. Oh my God. They railroaded him, they shut him down. It, 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 makes, it makes me so mad. Zen, 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 zen. Ellie Fine, he's more, yeah, I already read that. Uh, Lady Autumn said, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Hey, T-Rex. Uh, T-Rex gave a thumbs up. And he, he, he. Uh, if, if you guys haven't seen Alex Jones' 
um, interview done by Tucker Carlson really go. It's hilarious. And they, there's just, they're spitting facts and truth all over the fucking place. It's ridiculous. It was amazing. And the fact that he opens up a whiskey um, suitcase with a hatchet because it somehow vacuum sealed itself shut on the plane. Hilarious. Um, Jacob said something about they, Shelly, quotes herself calling someone bitch. I call everybody bitch. I don't give a fuck. You don't like it? Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, bitch is a term of endearment. Just like ass is a friggin' affection term for me. Jacob Pete said, at last, not a viewer of his. What was up with him in church? Oh, up church? What <laughs> was up with him in church? <laughs> Funny. Uh, Lady Awesome said it was a while back when he was uh, into the missing girl from Truckee. Mm. Dude has thoughts, and to be fair, that case was fishy, and it was Andy bashing him. Andy's always bashing somebody. Jake Castro, agree completely. I unsub from a ton of people for turning away from free speech. That's my trigger. Exactly. Say what you want. I always do. But you got to be ready to deal with the fallout. If you accuse somebody, you need to pay for it. And everybody needs to know that you're a fucking liar. So you're free to keep on lying, but they're going to know it's a lie. Like, that's important. I don't care that you keep talking. I just care that everybody that hears you knows you're full of shit. So say what you want, because you get entertaining and really humorous after a while, because you look like an ass. Just keep giving me more and more content. It's fine. More and more shit to talk about. Mimsy, hello, honey. Uh, she said at Elephant, yep, I unsubbed over a year ago. His anti-pro-life comments, he should stick to entertainment. Yeah. Hey, Mims. Um, Ellie, I seen you too. Uh, how's it going? I'm well. Okay, hanging in there. Thanks, and we're all caught up. Cool. So, yeah, so that's everything. So, I mean, that's basically what I want to talk about. It's a little after 12. Uh, we've been going for three hours and 37 minutes. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, hey, tons of true crimes. Turn on up, up church over that. And he has his right to his own opinion. Everybody has their right to their own opinion. That's the whole thing. And how do you know what's out there if you don't let people speak their mind? I would rather somebody say something that's super offensive to me, which is really hard to do, but I'd rather them speak freely than be censored because then at least I know who they are and what they believe in. I don't want somebody being censored so that they come to me and they seem harmless because you censored out all the stuff that's going to make them a danger to me. That's not fair. It's not right. Like, if somebody's going to come out and tell me exactly what's on their mind, I want to know it. I want to be able to hear it no matter where I'm at because I want to know who you are. If you're a freaking psychopath and you're out there talking like a psychopath, good. Talk like a psychopath. You have every right to. I have every right to now know you're a psychopath and steer clear of you. Like, that's helpful to me. 
Oh, you're you're not learning that I'm learning he's a psychopath I need to not be around. How about that? That is some vital freaking information right there. They don't look at it that way. They don't say, oh, look at, you know, they're saying things and they're they're talking about this group and they're talking about that group. So I would rather them go on, you know, like on a platform and talk about whatever than to go around with, you know, like all this hostility and keeping shit in. And I have no voice. So, all right, you won't let me talk. I'm going to do this huge, horrible thing so that everybody is interested in what I say. Dude, I'm already interested in what you say. Skip the horrible thing and just talk to me. They won't let me talk. We'll find a place for you to talk. Like, we'll find it. I don't see how they don't... How they don't see the benefit of letting people speak their mind. This whole hate speech thing? Shut up. I can't. Like, who's too qualified to say hate speech? It's an opinion. You know, oh, they're inciting violence. So is the economy. You're going to, like, what, sanction the economy? You're going to tell the economy you can't exist because you're making people steal? You're making people do this? No. How about you just let people talk? You arrest people who steal shit. You bring the friggin' prices down because now we're paying for all the shit that they steal. You're not going to tell me all these things aren't related. Like you're letting, you're picking your crimes that forward your agenda. Stop it. Like the people really need to tell all these lawmakers and like politicians and judges and everybody, all these authoritarian figures to back the fuck up and stop being retarded. Stop being retarded. That's it. It's that simple. <sighs> Somebody yesterday said, remember your history. I'm like, learn from your history. Because I can remember it all day long. If I don't learn from it, I ain't doing shit. Uh, foreigners want to shut down our free speech. Wait, I got thrown forward. Uh, I wonder how that worked out for Andy. Church's base is rapidly defensive. <laughs> Think we got a super jet. They really are. They really are. I know I didn't get a super chat. That's one of the things that I've I've seen him do. Uh, they all got toasted. I'm sure. Yep, I'm a creaker. Uh, Farters want to shut down our free speech. The same uh, free speech day one. Yep. They want us to be like their countries. Yeah, but that... <laughs> That's what I, the problem I have with like the illegal immigration. They're like, oh, but we want it. No, we want people to come here legally. It's our country. Is it open to other people? Sure, if they do it the right way. But when you come here with your hand out saying, hey, government, give me everything, and they do it, I have a problem with that. I have a huge problem with that. Because I've been in this fucking country my whole life. I've given them all my taxes. I've followed mo most of their rules. <clears throat> you know, I've had the flags and I've supported them and I've sung the songs. And when I need them, they tell me to go fuck myself. But yet some like 
what fentanyl pushing like retard who can't even speak the fucking language gets to what swim across a river or jump over a fence or walk through a border from another country where it was probably fine they had to walk through mexico they could have stayed in mexico like they show up here and they get everything they get everything they get housing they get like food stipends they get yeah well food stamps they get like you know, regular living stipends, which are double social security, just so you know. Like, they're getting all of this assistance. For what? Send them the fuck back. I don't care. As soon as they come forward, they should have, like, huge catapults on our side. As soon as you get a group together, put a rope around and throw them in the catapult, whoop, right back over. Fuck that. There should be, like, the ground should have springs under it. They step on it a certain way, and whoop, and they all go back. Because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of everybody coming here for a fucking handout and we don't have shit for each other. You got people working themselves to death can't pay a mortgage payment because the prices are ridiculous. I know I keep banging the the, the desk when he yells at me all the time. I'm like, well, you know, I'm Italian. I move my hands a lot. Uh, I have a soft spot for my hometown guy right up church. There you go. There you go. Uh, church is why I'm not on the Luke Combs bandwagon in mainstream country. Combs wouldn't be anything without church. Nice. Uh, when they strip the <clears throat> the First Amendment, the rest will fall like dominoes. I really, really hope that that day doesn't come. I mean, I know they they restrict it so much. And I just wish they couldn't. I really wish they couldn't. It's not just about me wanting to say whatever I want to say. I want to hear what everybody else has to say. You know, don't hold them back. I want to know who people are. And as long as you're taking out all the bits that are interesting, because let's face it, that's what they edit out. They edit out the truth. And the interesting shit, and they leave you with boring crap. <clears throat> boring crap and lies. Jacob Castro uh, writes, it's just not the freedom principle. There are practical implications to maintain free speech and expression. Yeah, of course there is. Hate speech does not exist. Thank you, Ellie. I know you believe that, and I believe it too. Words are words. The same way they convinced me that my memories would re-trigger me and send me into, into a traumatic backslide and I would be like overcome with depression and suicidal thoughts and blah, 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 that I, I feared ever facing them, so I buried them. And then I come here and I'm talking to you guys and every day was a revelation and every day was facing something. And did it hurt? Yeah. And I cried a lot. And you guys cried with me. And the next day, didn't hurt as much. Until I got to the really, really big memory. And I was terrified to face it. And it took like three weeks of me rallying and of winning. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it by yourself. You can do it by yourself. You don't need anybody to hold your hand. Meanwhile, he's standing behind me while I'm fucking doing it. Um, I I just I, I couldn't do it until I did it and I realized oh shit 
That was just thoughts. <laughs> that that couldn't hurt me. It it couldn't come after me. It couldn't bring anything to life. There was no magical force behind those words. There was no like curse or whatever that was gonna go out if I like let that out into the ether. Because all it was was old thoughts. It was a memory. And I could say it because it was just words. It was sounds, letters strung together. That was it. It wasn't a knife through my friggin' chest. It wasn't, you know, like anything physical that it would like bowl me over or like make me submit or whatever. It was just words. I was afraid of sound. Like, do you know how stupid that sounds when you think about it? And it made me a lot braver to say other things. Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not scared about the things I say. I concentrate on the consequences, on the aftermath, the backlash. You know, what comes next? Yeah, I said it. It's a courage to say it. Too. You know why it's a courage to say it? Because I don't know what comes after it. I don't know what effect it's going to have. That's why it's a courage. The words themselves are crap. They're just words. But they want to censor us. They want, they want to control our speech. And they want to label our speech and categorize everything. And you can't do that. Some people just have, you know, an inability to not speak their stream of consciousness. They don't have filters. And why should you? If I filter something, it's to spare somebody from hurting their feelings or to not give out information that shouldn't be given out. Not because I'm afraid somebody's going to have an alternate opinion. Like, if you have an argument, come on, we'll argue all day. And we'll joke throughout. I don't understand arguing with somebody and getting angry anymore. I used to. And then it was just like, bro, it's, so, it's not worth it getting angry. I mean, all you're doing is like you're losing the whole plot here. Calm the fuck down. Don't be so goddamn emotional about it. Don't take it personally. And just talk. Don't be insulting. You know, and if you have to be insulting, well, you know, then be the better one. I don't mean be the better person. Like if it's going to come down to insult for insult, just be good at it. Don't. Ing I hate watching people insult each other badly. It's like, man, you ever watch that where people like they'll say something. They're like, oh, they did somebody and think that, oh, that was a killer. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I could have done so much better. I'm like, that was lame. <laughs> like if you're trying to be witty, don't. Because it's, yeah, it's not a skill that you have. Go practice in a mirror or something. In the USA, hate speech is free speech and protected. It is. Only fine. It is. So there's no such thing, really. I don't get what they, they can call anything hate speech. God, what if I said, you know, like, I don't know, something about McDonald's or against Burger King? I'm sure that they'd fucking find a way to call that hate speech. Uh, she hates clowns. She's she's a clownist. Like whatever. I married a clown. I dated many clowns. I've had sex with clowns. Like whatever. Is there any reason why I shouldn't be afraid of them at this point? They might have missed the makeup and the big shoes, but trust me, they were clowns. 
Uh, Jacob Castro, I meant right, not right. If an autocorrect, it makes a difference. It does make a difference. <laughs> Ellie, history, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights aren't being taught. They aren't being taught. They're being friggin' like, who's there? I've heard people out there pushing to get them like taken away. They're like, oh, the Bill of Rights is outdated. The Constitution, we have to change that. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Do away with the Constitution and rewrite it. No, 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 no. Because I would rather go by the rules set back then than the bullshit they're pushing now. Mm -mm. I want a return to values, a return to, you know, a certain level of morality. I want a certain level of not conservatism, but class, you know, integrity, dignity, sophistication. I don't see why those things had to go away. Like clothes got smaller and smaller and smaller. And yeah, it's sexy, but you enjoy it in the moment. And then you look around, and you're like, oh shit, my kids are going to be looking at this. Like what? This is going to mess them up because we had a different foundation. And then like things got skimpier. What happens to your brain? If you're born into this skimpy world where all you see is like, People judging based on looks and pick your mate based on, you know, like how skimpy your clothes are and da, 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 da. like, oh, if she's super sexy, pick that one. Yeah, good. Pick her. Can't cook, won't clean. So, so you don't want a wife. What you want is you you want to, you know, like a trophy. So then that's what you're going to get. So just like polish that bitch up, put her up on the shelf and go hire her a maid and a cook. And a chauffeur because she can't do any of those things and make sure you have a really good like income because she's going to shop you at a house at home like that's all she knows how to do so if that's what you want if materialistic and shallow is what you want then that's what you're going to get don't bitch about it later it's like the guy that you know he goes and picks up like this 22 year old who's like 95 pounds long blonde hair down to her ass nails fake eyes fake boobs fake ass and they're like, oh, look at what I got. I get to bang that every night. That's great. Then 10 years down the road, she's still the same. His dick no longer works, so he ain't getting laid. Plus, they're married. He's really not getting laid because she's just like, <laughs> no. Like, I already got the ring. Fuck you. And she don't cook. She don't clean. She don't do it. So what are you getting out of this woman? You have a really nice thing to look at. You could have had a cardboard cutout of Farah. <laughs> it would have been the same shit. Because ain't nobody touching your dick now but you. You guarantee somebody's touching her while you're out working. Guarantee it. Because she's not going without shit. That's why you have a pool boy and you have a chef who's a man and you know you have a butler and not a maid. Like you she's well serviced. She don't even need to leave the house. Um Jacob Pete. You want to see how much foreigners hate our free speech? Look at what Ireland is trying to do now. Shut down free speech on socials because the Irish are fed up with immigration. Uh, at Jacob Pete's, I got away from mainstream country because it's just not the same. With Lady Awesome. Uh, Jacob Pete's at Shell. Yes, I support the First Amendment, but I was saying I am a day one creaker to last i hopped on board when he started his career still remember hearing his first song 
Didn't he used to like sit in a room that had like no furniture in it except for like his one chair when he first started? I might be thinking of somebody else, but I I seem to remember that like it was just one big room and it had like um it had a rug and I think he had his computer chair and like the computer set up on like a like just a small standing desk or like a crate or something. He had no freaking furniture. Uh, Lady Awesome, not to mention my ex-husband worked for WSM 650 and is a DJ in town, so I was more than happy to turn the radio off. <laughs> I would be highly upset if I had to turn on the radio and I hear my ex-husband coming through. I'd be like, oh, no. First of all, who's going to listen to? Hello. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It was like the thought, the Jaws theme all the time. Mm-hmm. 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 Was like, <laughs> nice talking to you, Brett. It's just great. But then when he did start talking, I'd be like, oh, my God. Somebody freaking put an ice pick through my ear. Um, <clears throat> I used to make him sit on my right side when he got in those moods. And he'd be like, can you hear me? Yep. I could kind of hear him through the left ear and a little bit through my right ear, but he was really muffled. It was great. It was like he was talking to me through a pillow. It was like, good, you stay on that side. In your mirrors. Sorry, I was looking through a chat from yesterday, early AM. I didn't see Daisy Girl. I hope everything's okay. Sometimes she gets busy. Sometimes she loses her internet. The last time I talked to her, she was having a lot of problems with her internet. Like, a lot. So I just, I just, everybody keep an eye out and just tell her that I, I miss her and I worry and to contact me if she can. Otherwise, you just tell me that you saw her and she's okay. Um, Jacob Pete's at Castro. Unfortunately, that tree's looking mighty thirsty. Well, I, at Pete's from Castro, you know how to push my buttons. Ooh, does he now? See, it's always, it's always the quiet ones. Although that would apply to either one of you, because Jesus. Uh, Lady Awesome. I love you. You know I do. Lady Awesome. Wait, I just heard you exhale. Are we having a cigarette? I'll join you. Yes, we are. Because I've been on here for four hours. And I've had one, two, three, four cigarettes. So that's not too bad. Uh, Jacob Castro. But we're the insurrectionists. No, we are counter revolutionaries i don't mind being a regular revolutionary because sometimes shit has to change somebody's got to have a big mouth somebody's got to stand up and say uh no we're not doing that we're not changing that there's nothing wrong with the way we did things before if it ain't broke don't fix it you're breaking it cut it out jacob peace fun fact there's a process to change the constitution the commies just don't want to use it because it's too hard. Cry more. Uh-huh. I knew what you meant. Uh, of course I do. I believe that's when he moved into his new place, his old stuff um, music fits. Yeah, I think that because I seem to remember that. I don't know why that's stuck in my head either. Uh Ellie said at Jacob Castro, don't blackmail me today. 
I want to believe our country is not crumbling before my eyes. Better take a nap then. <laughs> take a nap. Jacob Castro, the black pill is the only way to fix it. All of the pills lead to all hope and no action. I feel like we have to reach that point of desperation at this point. Because otherwise nobody's going to move into doing something. It's all just, you know, sitting around and, you know, oh, woe is me and woe is us. Like, get off your ass. Do something. Uh, and I think most of us here do, even if it is just talking and spreading the words and, you know, you know, winning with the, all his different shows to spread information and work on solutions and because he's all about solution culture, you know, about spreading knowledge, learning new things, you know, getting information that we didn't have and disproving false narratives that are out there. It's what he does. Uh, right now, Ellie said, right now, my job is to raise good men. First priority is to my husband and children. Yep. I will not be another Ashley Babbitt. Aw. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I do. I get it. Um, but you do contribute. You contribute on here. Even if you can't stand up right now and like be the one that stands in front and says, hey, I'm doing this and I don't believe in that and fuck you and whatever. You're on here supporting people and encouraging people to do that. You know, half the problem is we always feel alone. So if we have people there who understand and they, they have ideas, maybe they can't be the ones that go into action. That's okay. You need people at all levels in all positions because otherwise it doesn't work. Armies don't attack in one way. They have several plans and positions and flanks and whatever. Everybody has a job to do. Even if it's just like the kid who goes around, make sure everybody's like, you know, has bandages or med kits or, you know, they're hydrated, they have food, whatever. Everybody has a role. You don't have to be frontline. You could just be who you are. To me, that's enough. It's more than enough. I think we need more people like you who are out there who are full of information and full of like directives because you're always, hey, look at this and look at that and look at that and look at that and look at that. And that spurs other people into motion. You know, we work together. Everybody has a purpose. T-Rex, I slept for 10 hours. <laughs> I didn't. I feel so much better today. I'm happy for you, T-Rex. Sleep does wonders. Yeah. T-Rex said, I can't be black-pilled. God damn it. I can't be black-pilled. I'm young and want to have a family. If I'm black-pilled, what's the point of wanting to bring children into a world I think is doomed? Not doomed. It's yeah. And besides, children... We say that. We're all, oh, how could you bring children into this world? How can you not? Because sometimes they're the only thing to fight for. Let me tell you something. You having kids... You'd be motivated to make the world better. It wouldn't just be a pipe dream or something nice to talk about or whatever. You would be off your ass saying, absolutely not. I'm going to that school board meeting. I'm going to see the mayor. I'm going to see the governor. I'm going to call this person. I'm going to call that person. You know, I want changes 
I don't want this getting changed. I want this to be changed, but not this to be changed. I want values. I want prayers. I want this. I want that. You know, they give you something more to fight for outside of yourself, outside of just a spouse or whatever. Your kids, you are their main protector. And if you're any type of decent person or decent parent, you're going to step up and protect them no matter what. Are you going to mess up? Sure. Things slip through the cracks. Happens all the time. The main thing is you can't beat yourself up for it. You just got to learn from it and be like, all right, a little impressive that you pulled that one over my, you know, that wool over my eyes, but all right. I just, I see I got more work to do. Let's go. And you jump right back in. When you have kids, you're never deterred. Nothing can put you off it forever. You may have to take a breather, but nothing can put you off the mission forever. Whether it's making your little world better or making the outside world better, that's what you're going to do. If you're a good parent. And I know you would be. Uh, Elephant, you know what they don't teach in schools? Mustache man took out people who weren't Jewish as well. Gays, different politics, free thinkers, artists. They went to camps. Yep. Yep. I believe he wasn't that big a fan of the Catholics, even though the Catholics were a fan of his. Isn't that weird? I think that's weird. Uh, T-Rex, lust. Absolutely. I was taking everything wrong last night. Yeah. And was... Half a doer away, half a doer, half a doer away. I don't know what doer is supposed to be, I don't think that's the right word. Half a something away from burning relationships to the ground, which is why I told you to shut up and go to bed. I said it nicer, but I was like, okay, it'll look different tomorrow. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. I was like three seconds away from telling you, T Rex. Shut the fuck up and close your eyes. Like, I was going to read you that damn book. Go the fuck to sleep. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Go the fuck to sleep. Jacob Castro. I love you, T-Rex. Uh, Jacob Castro, if you can't or won't fight, prepare to help those who can. Food, water, fuel, batteries, firewood, medicine. Shelly reading my mind all morning. I am all up in your brain. Don't you know? That's who I am, baby. Uh, <laughs> I amuse myself. Elephant, children bring light into your life. Yeah, they bring light, purpose, energy, and they make you a fighter. They make you stronger. They also are your biggest weakness, and they will probably make you cry many, 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 many times throughout your life. But there's nothing like them. And like I said, Wednesday, you know, women, we get it most of the time because we have that little creature just growing from, you know, the size of a grain of sand, well, smaller than a grain of sand, into a human. Yeah, we make humans. We do. We make humans that can affect the world around them very quickly after they're born, you know, like. When you think about that, it's the most amazing thing. God, it depresses me that I can't do that anymore. It really does. Ugh. 
that's the one thing I think they got wrong. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I would love to have babies. I really would. And I just, that time has passed. And it's sad. That's like, I had like a little, like, well, I had a huge pity party for myself <laughs> when I realized that because it really hurt. Uh, Jacob Castro, you missed You misunderstood what the black pill is. Elephant, ah, probably. I misunderstand a lot. No, she don't. She really don't. She, she's just probably fucking with you. Uh, Jacob Pete at Ellie. Hmm, not many people realize that independent research also isn't taught in schools, so the kids don't know how to fact check the school system. Yep. You, quote unquote, you, those rejecting the black pill. Um, there will be a catastrophe, a civil war. It's inevitable. The question is whether that is the end or a new beginning. Prepare not just for the catastrophe, but what comes after. Thank you, Castro. Apparently, I missed some fun last night. I had obligations with the wife. Maybe. I don't know. You're going to have to check out the stream and figure it out. Uh, Elephants. Making, human, making humans is a superpower. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And if you can make kind but smart ass, you know, smart, you know, little humans, then hey, uh, consider what you'd be willing to do for your children and grandchildren to get, a, get them to experience freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely, Castro. Uh, Jacob Castro. Okay, enough. Is that a pepper? Or is that just a really small eggplant? I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> T-Rex, polite cat calling. Damn, girl, you look like none of your Tupperware has tomato stains. <laughs> uh, do you know if none of her Tupperware has tomato stains? Do you know what that says? <laughs> it looks like she don't cook. That's what it, that's what it looks like. <laughs> Um, Jacob, I was in the stream. I meant after. Oh no, that was that was just me and T Rex. That was the whole time. Like the whole time you guys were like in the chat, he was in my ear in Discord, and I kept telling him, "I can't hear winning chat." He's gonna say my name and make me drop a link, and I'm not gonna hear it because of you. And then I'm gonna yell that. Shush. Like <laughs> anyway. Uh, elephant. Uh, at last, last is an overachiever with her superpower of making humans. She sure is. She made all good humans. She pops them out two at a time. That's commitment. Mimsy's uh, "Stop the Coming Civil War" is a good read book by Michael Savage. Look, Savage, and it's for Castro. Oh, look at that. See, that's kismet. Uh, you'd enjoy if you haven't already read it at Jacob Castro. See, you're the one who always comes in. Hey, Savages. And it's a book by Michael Savage. See, that was meant for you. I feel like it really it's like predestined. You should read it. Uh, T-Rex, it means enough spice for me. Ah, damn girl, you look like you don't clap and stay seated when the plane lands. Oh, Jesus. 
You woke up trolly today. Look at you with the corn. Bringing all the corn. God. You know what? Just for that? Baby steps? It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps. Uh-huh. And don't go fight with me either. Don't go to Jersey. Whatever you somebody gonna ask you to go to Jersey. This one in Jersey. A long lost friend, don't go to Jersey. Don't go to Jersey. You gonna get hit by a bus. Okay? Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Good. Sorry. There you go, T Rex. <laughs> he hates that one. Uh, do, 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 do. <laughs> he said no. All right, guys, it is 20 to 1. And again, we've gone over four hours. I had a lovely time with you this morning. I really hope you have a wonderful weekend. One more time, we had, um, if you want to check out like our takes for the Republican debate that was done on Wednesday night's winning reality, um, unveiling reality. That is in his live feed last night on repairing history together. He covered white slavery and the history of that I really recommend seeing that that was he showed so many different little videos and they were really interesting and the graphics were like, oh my God, like you really got an in-depth understanding of what came before. And it just, it made us like, oh my goodness, like what is going on here? Because there was so much I didn't know. So much I didn't know. And it really, it did open my eyes to a lot of things. So I would suggest checking that out. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, 9 o'clock on Winning Reality's channel. We have Saturday night, Winning Saturday night. There will be a lot of fun. He's going to have some guests on. I'll be there at some point. Um, he is going to do his good news, and he's going to do some jokes, and um, he's going to have a little bit of a discussion, and we're going to have fun. And there's a new thing that he's doing. He already did a couple for me that he showed me and I was, Oh my God. He was like, you're going to need like depends. I think everybody needs to wear a diaper side night. Cause it's fucking hilarious. Um, he's going to make songs for people on the spot and it's going to be phenomenal. Cause they are hilarious and I can't wait for you guys to see it. So that is tomorrow night, nine o'clock on winnings channel Sunday. We will be going at a different time on Sunday, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We'll be doing Old School Watch Party, Winning I Together, on Winning's channel. Um, we will be doing that, and the documentary is The Century of the Self. And followed directly after that, which will definitely be on Rumble, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So come and enjoy with the Griswolds and us and have a good time. And I hope to see you there. Uh, Ellie said at last, breathe and meditate. Mm, oh, you've been a little stressed today? A little stressed lately? 
Well, it's that time of year, and there's something, uh, something in the air, nothing's sitting right. Uh, but I hope you feel better. I do. Uh, T-Rex said, I still have to figure out how to get rid of 515 gallons of orange juice. Anyone live near Mexico and want a year near Mexico and want a year supply of free, simply orange, orange juice. I'm 100% serious. 515 individual gallons of simply orange, orange juice. Free for the taking. He's desperately trying to get rid of this. I told you, just go to a church or a school and drop it off. They're not going to say no. Don't ask. I would rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Go to a damn church, drop it off, and be like, oh, here, you know, the, put it away before it gets cold. It was extra. Don't want it to go to waste. Bye and run. What are they going to do? Say, no, you come get this stuff right now. Get out of here. Just drop it off. Uh, well, T-Rex, many homeless places could use it. Yeah, take it to a shelter, whatever. Food banks. There you go. Mimsy, have a great day, Shelly, and chat. See you on the tubes. Yes. So there's all sorts of ideas for you. Get a little, you know, center yourself, focus. You finally slept, so you should be full of ideas, and just go do it. Just go drop it off somewhere. All right. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And don't forget to, you know, come by Saturday night, 9 o'clock, Sunday, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And the reason we're doing it that early is because winning has some very pressing engagement that night. It's called football. And I'll be watching it too. Because so, it's um, the Eagles versus the Cowboys. And I hate the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, that's all right. Because it's the Eagles versus the Giants on Christmas. I was like, really? Really? Like, Christmas don't suck enough for me. You got to, like, really, like, just put it right in the shitter. That's just great. Um, T-Rex trucking. If you're near Houston, the Houston Food Bank is huge and you can take it there. No rest for the wicked nap. Time is over. Oh, sorry, lady. Thank you for being here. Y'all have a wonderful rest of the day and I hope you get less stressed as the day goes on. Uh, food bank has refrigeration. Church, school, food banks. Yes, drop it off. All right. So you guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy. And I will see you Saturday night, because I'll be on with him. I will see you Sunday, because I will be on with him. And then I will see you Monday morning, 8 o'clock, for another brand new show. Hopefully we start, like, Pidget or something next week. But I love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And mwah. adios. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> girl. I know that you're a Jersey girl inside. 4am at a diner, stop singing, living on a And prayer. doggone it, people like me. I'm thinking maybe you're a Jersey girl with all those highlights in your hair. No other girl can move like you. We pump our fist and right, it's true.
Let me tell you about a girl from Jersey. She was looking so fine with her hips so curvy. I wanna over down a seaside ice and I boardwalk fight at the end of the night. Hey, hold up, got a situation. Got a conversation from the girl's gyration. She's hot like a girl next door with a tick gold bitties that I can't ignore. Who the fuck starts a conversation like that? I just sat down.